This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Baylock. Wow. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're cheating on one another, mm-hmm. having abortions, beating each other, then falling in love all over again. As we watch Spine 229 of the Criterion Collection, Ingmar Bergman's Scenes from a Marriage from 1974. But mm-hmm. first, RJ, mm-hmm. sun shining. Did you not like my breathy introduction? It was fine. Okay. I won't hold it yeah, this... against you. Yeah, unless I ask, right? <laughs> uh, how's that go again? I don't remember. Yeah, sun's out. It's actually nice. We're supposed to hit uh, 30 degrees, allegedly, on the weekend. Potentially. Alleg- that's upsetting. I don't like the sun. I, I don't like it. So wait, are you pro-heat or I like anti-heat? I like nice weather, but oh, okay. I, I don't like that kind of heat because mm. I burn. I, I, I'm a pale, pale man, and mm-hmm. I, I burn. I get, I get very pink. And, uh, mm-hmm. in, in fact, um, maybe this is TMI. I have a skin condition and one of the triggers is sun. And so I have to wear like sunblock and stuff. And I don't really relish that. I prefer to be gloomy all the time and warm, warm and gloomy would be perfect. I imagine a lot of the listeners to this podcast probably have a skin condition. <laughs> it, so- comes, it comes with the territory. It does. It does. Do you take uh, vitamin D then? It's not that kind of thing. It's it's good old rosacea, which is like huh. they have no idea what it is other than uh, it's genetic. Is there a cure? Nope. Just use this uh, antibiotic cream for the rest of your life. Mm. Have fun with that, kids. <laughs> I imagine they were probably just like, you're just an indoor kid and uh, <laughs> you always will be. Or some kind of ghoul. Some... Some kind of ghoul? Yeah. Did you say a gaba ghoul? Uh, no, just a regular we, ghoul. A night ghoul? I think, a night ghoul? I yeah. think that'd be okay. You know how people ask us all the time what our side podcast would be? We could start a um, Sopranos cast called the Gaba Ghouls. Ooh. That re- that's copyrighted. But, but you no just, one, yeah, that's ours. That's ours. Nobody can steal that. That's our intellectual property. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh-huh. The, the thing is, well, you, you just watched it and like, I don't know. The magic. What about the magic? It's it's, it's great. What about it's like great. what what about our Star Trek podcast? The one that people are listening to apparently right now. You know, I actually I kind of feel like I I, I kind of missed the opportunity. I could have been I could have created a Twitter account where I just did one line of each episode that I watched as I did it, and uh, I feel like it's too late now. Yeah, you fucked that one up. Well, you I, could, you, have I mean, that. you you could do what I did with D Space Nine and do that very thing and write notes. Uh, I mean, that's pretty nerdy. It is. I'll send you my notes. I, I, I remember, uh, I flipped through my notes. They weren't very like in depth whatsoever when I went back and mm-hmm. went, huh. Then, uh, once in a while there'd be some weird comment, of, uh, really sexualizing some of the what? characters. Which ones? Worf? Uh, n- not Worf. My, I'm more of a O'Brien man myself. He, he's become a more, uh, prominent yeah. character, but, uh, he's still like, I mean, he has a there hasn't been much of him doing anything other than just being like, okay, I'm going to beam you up now. So like he hasn't had a lot of input other than that. Not you, yet. You ever look into those, uh, John Adams, Miles O'Brien comics? 
No. Oh man, I'll have to send them your way. It's all about like good? the the very existential. It's about being Miles O'Brien in that room. What he does, like as he waits for people to come to beam down. Because it's see. like because a lot of the time you're not sitting around for things. Mm-hmm. Like you're like traveling. It's like so. What does he do? Does he just stand there? Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it's kind of like a. Did you ever see that Peter Dinklage movie, The Station Agent? I have. Do you think it'd be like that? No. This is okay. this this is a different creature all in itself. Well, I mean, my version would be a station agent mix, I believe. Mm-hmm. Is what I would be doing. But I mean, we'll get to the Star Trek. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely, later. absolutely. Mm-hmm. That comes later. Your your week's been doing great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got not, I don't got much to report, my man. Uh, Good. Me and, I don't know, we, what did we do the other day? I made something weird. That was fun. So I did that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I have a few work things that I do throughout the day, but that only really encom- encompasses a couple hours and that's it, man. I got not, not much going on, but what about you? Are you still geeking and being um... a nerd? Trying, trying. Cormay uh, mm-hmm. is uh, taking its mm-hmm. toll, trying to squeeze yeah. out the last few driblets before uh, that. Mm-hmm. That uh, until we record that monstrosity. Yeah, it's gonna. I actually think this is gonna be the most comprehensive one yet. Yeah, I, I was. We'll talk about it, I guess. But yeah, we did a very different thing this time out. Because, yeah, we did. Because when we, well, I mean. We never watched all of Charles Band's movies, like his no. movies, we, but we did go through like uh, a company's history. And mm-hmm. then with Trauma, I mean, you you can't like I went through the core of tra- Trauma as yeah. I, think, I think you watched all of Kaufman's stuff too, um, mm-hmm. and that's like that's only, like that's only, that's less than twenty movies that he actually has directed. And then we went yep. through the Trauma verse and all that stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. this is a a whole other thing. And like we, I feel like we still only really are going to be scratching the surface because we're basically looking at one man's uh, filmography. And then we have, mm-hmm. we're not even looking at like new line or his uh, new world picture stuff as in depth. So it's like, mm-hmm. Holy shit. Like we could do an entire thing about new world pictures, but you can't fit may into new world pictures. Mm, well, new may, 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 may world, may world, may world pictures. Yes. Yeah, you know, no, no. Nah. I mean, we could fit it in if he, if he expressed interest, I tweeted to him, but he never replied. Piece of shit. Well, I mean, it, Hey, maybe if, maybe if some of the fans out there also encourage it, like I know he's busy with his other project and he's like 92 or something like that. But like, come on, dude. Why don't you just? I offered that we would donate a hundred dollars to a charity of his his choosing. So now he just looks like the asshole. Damn right. And that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Making the other mm-hmm. guy look like an asshole. Well, I mean, if someone if someone offered me, if they're like, we'll donate a hundred dollars to the charity of your choice if you come uh, for a five minute guest spot on our podcast, right? Then I would do it. Sounds, yeah. I'd want to. I'd want a receipt, though. Yeah. To make sure that the donation actually happened. You want that deductible? I do. I do. I I donate to a charity, and I I claim that thing all the time, my man. All the time. Wow. Yep. Huge. Huge. Hey, you know this what? is episode one hundred and ninety nine of our podcast. And here we're talking about deductibles. <laughs> Come on. 
Wow. It's I mean, it's something. In in one Did, in a week it'll be two hundo. Is that when we end it? Why not? I mean we had a good run. People won't miss us, right? Pack it up. No one wants to hear yeah. about Videodrome. Nobody <sighs> wants to hear about Battle of Algiers. <sighs> no. No, I people don't like movies. I tweeted one time Y'all bad boys like movies on the Criterion Creeps, and only like two people liked it. So <laughs> there you go. And one of them was me on my other my personal Twitter account. So what are you what are you gonna do about it? You what know you, what I mean? What are you gonna do about it? Not good. Not nice. Not nice. Well, let's see yeah. if there's any niceness in our emails. I hope. Have we got any feedback this week? Uh, like re- new reviews or yeah. uh, on the YouTube? Nothing. I got. Nothing, I don't think so. I got a pretty aggressive tweet on uh, my personal Twitter. Oh, man. Did I uh, share that with you? No. So uh, this was from at Norris, uh, Gene Norris, who I believe has been listening for quite a while. Yeah, I've seen that that name pop up. Yeah, uh, they've liked our tweets from probably 100 episodes ago. Wow. Uh, This is what they told me, Jared. You better watch your mouth about biscuits, episode 193. Yeah, well, damn and right. And keep yourself clean, you filth. All true. You know, I, I stand by that thing. Like, if I'm not going out, I won't put it in deodorant because, like, oh, Jesus. That, that aluminum, that'll give you cancer, dude. Nine times out of ten. Oh, my God. Nine times out of ten. <laughs> Nine times out of so ten. So you, you, you have a higher chance of getting the, the, the cancer than you do, uh, like, eating red meat from, from aluminum in... Get I'm gonna stick. eat. I'm gonna eat bacon for breakfast and steak for dinner every single day. I don't give a shit. But uh, and, you know what? I'm at. And, and you're gonna smell while doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Who do I have to impress? Exactly. You're married. I mean, uh... I mean my wife. She doesn't like it. But what are you gonna do? She's trapped. I got her. <laughs> That's right. Uh huh. So, well, anyways, continue. Sorry more, to interrupt. More there. on uh, that that type of great relationships and marriage later. Uh, Justin Peterson writes, here's Johnny. Hey, Jared and RJ, what's happening? I let time get away from me this week, so I will keep this email short. What would you say are the five essential movies that everyone should see by the time they are 30 years old? My answer off the top of my head would be Fantasia, The Breakfast Club, Alien, Speed, 2001 a space odyssey any chance we will get this criterion laser disc review soon uh, uh no well one day one day it comes up but when it's added? That, that is not uh that will not be coming up for a while mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah I, that'll be good uh what would be yours five essential movies everyone should watch before they are 30 years old uh i'd say um butt crack yep uh sister act two back in the habit uh, hmm. I mean, it's easy to say something. Let's say Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, and then, you know, I was actually, I was doing some spring cleaning, Jared, and I found a uh, old case file from 2002 when I was in grade six. And uh, I had to list my favorite movie. And you know what it was? What? Blade 2. <laughs> so uh, it was it was true then and it's true now. I'd say everyone should probably see Blade 2. Uh, and then I got one more, hey? Um, Tron, the new one, the remake. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What about you? 
five essential movies that everyone should see by the time they're 30 years old. That's such a, that's a big amount of time. That's a lot of time. A lot of people become real, real cinephiles, like in their high school years and before 30s. Mm-hmm. So they watch a lot of movies. What would you definitely want to watch before 30? What happens after you're 30, though? It's nothing you, but shit. You crust up. Your brain goes yep. to rot and you can't like watch long things anymore. You don't want to watch things with subtitles because mm-hmm. you want to like do other things while you're actually watching movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's what happens to us, right? Every, every single week, every movie. I don't know. What about um, Batman Forever? Well, I'm surprised you didn't have like Dark Knight Rises for some Bane and some uh, BVS. Well, you took the words out fake of my fan. mouth. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're a fake fan. Take out that Star Trek motion picture. Yeah. I was just joking with that one. So Put BVS The Rage Edition. Mm-hmm. That's the director's cut, Jared. The okay. Rage Edition. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Dark Knight Rises Bane. Are you going to get a, a custom Bane mask to wear in public? <laughs> Who says I haven't already? Well, I, well, actually, you'd be the one to get them. I've heard they're sold out everywhere. But, I mean, you're the person who has access to the stock. That's true. You know what people mm-hmm. you know what people actually want access to? Mm. The child from The Mandalorian. Is that what they call it? No, that's actually what Baby Yoda is called. Is oh. the child. Cuz it's cuz the child isn't Baby Yoda. I I mean, I get it. Yeah. But I still, you know what's crazy? Like my friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, gave me his Disney Plus like 2 months ago and I still haven't watched The Mandalorian. Well, you've had other things to watch. That's true. That's true. I just mean like, I I know it's really popular, but I'll get to it eventually. I'm just not in a rush, you know, Jer. Mm-hmm. Not in a rush. Yeah, I'm gonna have to pass on this question because I don't know five essential movies. That's so like t- I don't I don't fucking know. What about Blade Two? No. For all five, like you could be like, uh, you, uh whatever. It's the same. It's the, the same directors we always talk about. You know, maybe a little bit of Lynch in there, a little bit of. Mm-hmm. P.T. Anderson, you got some, Anderson. Scor- some Scorsese, Scorsese, mm-hmm. maybe some anime, get worldly. Some, like, Ooh, you know. what kind of anime? Uh, I don't know. Like everyone, everyone likes that Akira. You should probably, I mean, uh, to me, maybe next week's question should be like what people should watch before they're like 15. Oh, Blade 2. And uh, how about Reservoir Dogs? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Reservoir Dogs, Fight Club, oh. um, Boondock See, Saints. Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. And uh, something like... Uh, something that says incel. <laughs> Joker. Sure. Sure. Why not? Throw that in there, too. There we go. There you yep. go. That's that's the right answer. Yeah. Before 15. Mm. And then between 15 and 30. I don't know. Driving Miss Daisy. Some Louis Bunuel. How about that? <laughs> Sure, sure. Watch Enchaine Andalou. Oh, look at that, Jer. How, how much French did you do in primary school? I stopped French at grade six. As soon as it became yeah. optional not to do optional. it is when I gave that up. Because, yeah. whew, man. I, 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 re, I do regret it ultimately, but I mm-hmm. feel like I feel like the teachers that uh, we had like just weren't mm-hmm. very good. Yep. Or, or, or just been put into French immersion and... Uh, rolled with that well i think the problem with that jerry is that uh, a lot of those french immersion teachers their majors is usually languages so like they are teachers of language like french english spanish but not of the actual say 
disciplines like science, math, social studies. So they can teach you it in the other language, but that's not like their specialty. Their specialty is the language. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I I feel you. I bet that's what it was. Yeah, I regret it too. But at the same time, it's like, I'm only going to take no math in junior high or French in junior high. Get out of here. <laughs> Didn't take no math or English either. Could you tell? I'll, I'll be taking home ec. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I took a little home ec. Yeah. Goat yeah. movie question of the week. What okay. are your greatest of all time Jack Nicholson movies? My pick would be The Shining, of course. And I also have to mention Batman 89. Also, I need to get around to seeing The Last Detail, which is a cover that I've always found very intriguing. I will keep my promise and make my exit to stage right. Thanks for the time and have a great show. Well, thank you, Justin. Thanks, Justin. What do you think about that, Jack? Uh, I'd probably say uh, The Terror by Roger Corman. Nice. Probably. And uh, maybe even Little Shop of Horrors by Roger Corman. Oh, weird. Yeah. Weird. Weird. Okay, so... This guy, this Jack Nicholson guy, he's in some good. Sure. He's in some good motion pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. If, uh, Justin has seen Five Easy Pieces, but if he has not, he pro- mm-hmm. he has seen it. Okay, good, good. I'm clicking around, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Shining, Wonderful World of the Cuckoo's Nest, Chinatown. Uh, I, I have an actual answer. Okay. So like, I I uh, I think he should watch the last detail ASAP. That movie's. He's really good in that, and I like a little Hal Ashby. Mm-hmm. I'm going to surprise you. I bet you thought I was going to say The Shining. I'm going to say Cuckoo's Nest and Wolf. <laughs> because, and I'm I'm saying that completely earnestly. I think uh, I think Wolf is uh, something to behold. Fuck, he's in a lot of stuff. What about The Raven? Don't you like him in The Raven? Uh, he's all right <laughs> no, in The Raven. It's all good. Hoffa, a.k.a. not The Irishman. AKA the actual Irishman. Yeah. What about the King of Marvin Gardens? How about, how about those movies he's directed? Like uh, Head. No. Did he not do Head? The Monkeys movie. No, he uh, he directed Drive. He said, uh, uh, Go- "Going South," which has always mm-hmm. got like another one of those intriguing covers. He yeah. kind of co-directed The Terror and The Two Jakes. Which ones? The Two Jakes, the sequel to mm-hmm. the Chinatown. Oh, I see. I've never seen that, yeah. but I see. But he did write Head, and the tri- and and the trip. The trip. What about the Saint Valentine's Day Massacre? He did not write or direct that. He's in it though. That's that's good. You've never seen that, eh? No, I haven't seen it yet. See if you can spot him. Okay. Just by just by listening. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, there's a few of his movies I haven't seen yet. But yeah, I mean, it's all the obvious shit. I mean, Chinatown, One Flew with Goose Nest, The Shining. It's a pretty good track record. Five Wolf. Easy... Uh... How about The Witches of Eastwick? That movie's pretty cool. You don't think? Uh, you know what? I don't... I haven't clicked as I've seen, but I don't know if I've actually sat down and watched the whole movie. Maybe you should. Add it to your Creeptober list. Actually, that's a movie I do need to rewatch. Is Carnal Knowledge, which is from the director of Wolf, Mike Nichols, and actually it would be a, would be a good uh, companion piece to. Uh, and actually, came out before Scenes from a Marriage. Hmm. Yeah. We don't have to worry about that, though, right? There we go. All right. Next up, Jackson. Actium Jackson Maximus. Correct. My God. With an email entitled "Locations." <gasps> hey, creeps. 
I hope I'm not too late this week, but there were some things I needed to clear up. I'll use the excuse that I never email in on Italian films due to the gross misrepresentation of my culture that is played for comedic effect. What? First and foremost, a few episodes back, Jared alluded to me living in Portland, which he and I both know is not a fact. Well, I think I said, like, I think RJ jumped on I think that I one. said I, I, I don't. I think you, at some point I got called out. Yeah, because I knew, and he writes in, in episode 148 at the 1350 mark, Jared says, I live in Bothell, Washington, something I'd never said that. And that fact, I expressed great concern in Jared knowing. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's trying to throw people off his tail before he commits a crime, but I want to make sure the record say, Jared does not does know where I live, and I'm not okay with that. With that out of the way, I was curious as to your guys' thoughts on the film Elephant. RJ seems to enjoy it in quite a bit, and Jared enjoys the made-for-TV film it was based on. It seems to be a pretty murkily debated film given the ethics of a school shooting film. But I personally enjoyed it quite a bit and am interested in your opinions. I'm also curious as to whether or not either of you has the vinegar syndrome release of The Passing. It seems to be a pretty interesting science fiction film, even has the Sam Sanchez stamp of approval. And I wanted to bring it to your attention if you haven't heard of it already. Keep up the good work. Axiom Jackson Maximus. P.S. I found Fellowship of the Ring to be too clean for the type of fantasy movies that I would enjoy. Maybe if it were more like Sorceress. Yeah, Sorceress is good, man. Mm-hmm. I'm on that. I'm fine with that. Uh, it's nice to hear from Actium Jackson Maximus. Maybe he does live in Bonfa, Bonf- New Orleans, yeah. or wherever. <laughs> whatever you said, uh, Vinegar Syndrome. That's you and uh, you and Sam's territory. But if Sam likes it, I think I'll, I'd give it a watch. Maybe. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I was, I looked at it, it popped up this weekend, you know, there was that sale, which I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm say I might be brought up in Sam's email. Yes, but, probably. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I remember one point being like, Hey, how, how does Jared know where he lives? Uh, weird, weird flukes of, uh, SoundCloud and, and knowing mm-hmm. like a, being like, Hey, I've actually heard of that place and we don't have that many listeners. Really? Really? Mm-hmm. Or no, sorry. We have. Millions of listeners. Millions of international oh. global fans, yeah. Jarrett. Yeah. Millions upon yeah. millions. It's in, it's evident e- in everywhere you look. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I know there's like some sort of like really like weird chicken Italian place or something like that that people eat in that area. <laughs> I, I, only, I know this because I, I listened to a podcast with a guy mm-hmm. from that place. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. That's it. It's it's huh. woody. And they they run. It seems like there's a lot of power outages, and uh, weird weather effects because it's you know, it's in the. Do you think Jackson hangs out there? Parties out there, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm cool with that. No. Do you want to talk about Elephant, or do you want me to? I haven't. I've only seen Elephant once. Um, mm. It's a movie that stresses me out thinking about it. Yep. It's like, oh man, I don't want horrible things to happen to these people. Yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, I do think uh, I have a, I think highly of that movie. That was when Gus Van Sant still made good movies, I think. And he, um, he had that, he had that run there. This and he had a good run. Jerry, Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, uh, Elephant, and then Goodwill. You know, <laughs> very, it's very, all very similar. Very similar. Uh, no, I, I really like that movie, and I, my biggest. My biggest elephant story, Jared, I don't think I've ever told on the podcast, is uh, in junior high. It was in grade grade nine. I went to a birthday party uh, for this girl, and she invited like, I don't know, 10, 15 people, all of the upper crust of the junior high scene, me, myself included. Um, And uh, she lived close to like the blockbuster, and for her party, 
it was all the normal party stuff. And then it was like, hey, let's all go walk to the um, movie store and we'll rent a movie. And it was like, all right. So they all went, but right across the street, there was this thing called Fat Boys Donairs. And I was like, I want a Fat Boys Donair. You guys go pick out whatever you want. I don't really give a shit. I'm going to go get a Donair and slam that back. So I went to the Donair shop. I ate it. I met met the crew of 10, 15 people outside of the video store. And uh, I was like, so what did they rent? And uh, my boy Ham Meat was there. And uh, they're like, oh, we rented this movie. Brett said you really like it. It's called Elef- Elephant. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and they're, they're like, is this a good movie? I was like, yeah. But I was like, I don't know if this group of 10 to 15 like teenagers is going to be on board with this thing. And I was like, I don't know guys. I was like, you'd probably be better off watching something else. And they're like, no, no, if you like it, we'll watch it. And I was like, I was like, I wasn't for years and years. They brought, these people would bring this thing up about how I made a whole party watch elephant when like when they were, everyone was like 15 and it bummed everyone out. And I was like, I didn't even, I wasn't even there when you guys rented the movie. And it just, it's never, it's haunted me forever, Jared. It still gets brought up about how I got everyone to watch elephant. And I was like, I wasn't even there when you guys decided that. So that's a good show. Yeah. I got my, I got my DVD of the, of it kicking around, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like that and Jerry only ever watched once. And so he's like, Oh, but I've seen, uh, I've seen, um, yeah, the other elephant a few times. That I'm down with. I like it's action packed. You never Which know. Which other elephant? Uh, the Alan Clark one. From, Is that from 1989? That's like only like a half hour long. That's that's mm. a, that's a good time. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. I've never seen that one. Check it out. All right, I will. Alan Clark, some good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Finally. Sam Sanchez. Ooh, baby. Under the wire. Ooh. You're just on time. Hey, Big Daddy and the Puppet Master. Ooh, baby. See, see there's a, uh, that's a, a Rob Eagle Photoshop right there. Big Daddy and the Puppet Master? No. What was that thing? I wrote it down last week because I thought it was so funny. It was like Big Daddy's going down to Leathertown or something. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, that's funny. I like it. Yeah. So what's new with the uh, Big Daddy yeah, Sam you, Sanchez? Yeah, you should uh, get a hold of whoever writes that guy's material. Who Big Daddy? Yeah. Yeah, I could I could email I could inquire. Yeah, find out. Hopefully, <laughs> I got this in under the wire. In response to last week getting letterbox docked, I enjoyed the game and fully consent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> consent is important. Uh, and a correction I sat on for two weeks, but someone mentioned Humphrey Bogart and they drive by night. And Jared mentioned that as a future creep, though I believe it's confusing with they live by night. Ah, there <gasps> we go. Which is another norm. Damn. That is, in fact, a future creep. I hope RJ chastises you for that blunder. Yeah, you're a bad dude. Yeah, I've said that, it that a million is, times. Yeah, that is. I was like, yeah, that makes that. I remember the time I was like, really? Like, he's in mm-hmm. that? Like, why don't people talk about it? That makes way more sense. I was just kind of mm. like, oh. Also, random hearing our Frank. Uh, Criterion itis reference, but pretty fitting for the podcast as it definitely is the premise of it. They've also mm-hmm. coined nostalgia, <laughs> classitosis, which is pretty similar mm-hmm. to Criterion itis. Yeah. And um, uh, depile- depilepsy. <laughs> depilepsy. Dep- depilepsy. I'm not, I don't know. I don't follow. Something, Can you explain? I don't know. Is that something about like Johnny Depp and epilepsy? Oh. Oh, that's a bummer. Does he have epilepsy? 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Tough to say. But yeah, no, I thought about that because I'm like, hey, that's that podcast that Sam's a fan of. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And that's that dude who made that Cursed Films thing, right, Jerry? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of overlap. I, I mean, I mean, if they wanted to do a joint episode with us, if they donated to a charity of our choice, I think I would consider it. All right, guys, keep up the solid work. Yep. <clears throat> pass it like a pass it like a solid lump. And what? Did he Stan- write that, or are you saying that? <laughs> that that that's pure Duncan. And stay Ugh. safe out there, since I'm also back to work, seemingly for good. Hooray! I mean, I wonder if, uh, do you think Sam's got one of those Bane masks? I, I hope so. I hope so, too. That'd be cool. No. If look, you... I think he'd look pretty cool with that mask. He'd get the, like, the, the furry collar walking around. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I got a Levi's coat, like the Sherpa with the, the wool on it. I'm not, mm-hmm. not going to lie. I flip it up, and I feel like Bane sometimes. Yeah. You walk around, hands on both sides of determination. No pants on. Just, just, just iron constitution. Just as Nolan envisioned it. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope uh, it's nice to hear from all of our friends. And yeah, I do hope that Sam stays safe also. But while we're on mask, Jerry, if you could get a novelty mask, and I put this out to Sam, Justin, and Actium Jackson Maximus, and all of our friends, even uh, that one person, um, I always forget, Aaron. I can't remember if it's Aaron Lang. It is. an A or an E. A. <laughs> I remembered this time. Uh, I wonder what kind of novelty vanity mask they would have. So we've talked about Bane ones. What if you could have any like niche mask? What would yours be? I mean, I think I have all the masks I want. Uh, that you wear in your regular life. Mm-hmm. I would probably get that review from Harry Knowles uh, of Blade Two. Oh, just that written out on a mask of Cunnilingus. Yep. Very interesting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, nice to hear from all our friends. I wonder where everyone else is. I don't know. Uh, living life. I mean, I know I'm not listening to podcasts right now. No, me neither, dude. I barely listen to them anyways, but... Uh, well, no, there's uh, there's definitely been a, a slowdown. There, we, yeah. we had a, like a huge number of like new listeners, um, but there's definitely At been first? like... Yeah, for the first, like for quite a while, but it's definitely uh, softened. I sp- people are just finding other things to do. Well, I think a big part of it was probably people like commuting, right? And like the, I don't know, people had a lot of free time, and there was a novelty, yep. and people didn't know how to fill it. But now people have, are f- either finding things to fill it, or they are now going back to work slowly, uh, all yeah. over the place. Well, I mean, our run was good, so maybe we're maybe that's it. It's time for the collapse. Maybe that's it. We'll see. But yes, to all of you, thanks, and you mm-hmm. know. Next step, next episode. It's number two hundo. It'd be it'd be nice if uh, everyone wrote in. What? And if we got like you know I don't know whatever you can say whatever get get up to ten. Remember RJ will even read these emails. I I will hundred percent read the emails out in the voices that I think you would have and that you would speak in, even if I've Ooh. actually heard you speak on the podcast before. <laughs> Right? Yeah. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, yeah, if, if it's not 10, I won't do it. If it's even nine and a half, like say, because if it was nine and then Oliver sent a message like privately, <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Or just pretend that it didn't happen. Oh, sorry, guys. 
I was, oh, I, I missed it. I, I don't check that very often. Right into the dumpster. Oh, yes. Oh, that actually reminds me. When you brought up How Is It Going this week, you and me talked about this before, but Criterion Channel is no longer allowing you to watch on your laptops, and it's a real pain in the well, ass. Because... Yeah, you have to use a particular type of browser that yeah. disables like being able to screenshot shit. Uh huh. And then all of our friends out there who know, who follow on the Instagram, know that that's where our bread and butter for me is because I'll make a post. I'd say now, not it was almost always like one or two a week, but now I've ramped it up a lot. But now I can't get my screenshots. So I would like if anyone out there is like a computer hacker and can kind of help me out. I even try to download the episode on my phone and then i put airplane mode on so it was offline and then i watched it and then i tried to screenshot and it still came up black so i was like i don't know what to do anymore so if anyone has a solution out there i, I would uh, i'd i'd love to hear it Whew. yeah so, yeah, just throwing that out there stinks yeah yeah hey, hey rj what what you been creeping on this week i, got, I mean i got a little bit I got a little bit. I watched a, a Joe Bob doubleheader and it was fantastic, Jarrett. Yeah, I saw. That's some that's some stars you were just tossing around like they were going out of style. Fuck, whatever. I don't give a shit. I'll just throw them out there. Yeah. Pay fatigue. You know? Like after you do like a, a Trome or a Corme, then mm-hmm. you're just like you watch a good movie and then you're like, holy shit. Um so anyways, uh, Joe Bob last week was uh, Exorcist 3 and Deadbeat uh, at Dawn. Um, so Exorcist 3, I don't know if we've ever like really talked about it. There's not much to say, but uh, I think Exorcist 3 is awesome. I really dig it. I love the uh, Catholic imagery. Some of the stuff, so good, so spooky, so good. My main man, Brad Dura, he's one in One of the, the great actual jump scares. <laughs> One of the one of the great. I think there's even like I think this movie's got a ton to offer because not even just that, but like uh, the one image that stuck out to me even more than the jump scare was the um, the old lady crawling on the roof. I always thought that was really good, well done. I think this movie's wicked. It sounds like it's got a pretty crazy history with the mm-hmm. old William Peter Blatty, uh, George C. Scott, not George C. Scott Bailey. Which uh, he's for, in here. which cut did they play did they play it, the exorcist 3 or did they play legion it was exorcist 3 okay yeah which uh so i i do that's actually one one movie i do own is that uh nice exorcist 3 copy of yep. um legion that came out with even more brad duraf um but no it was uh just the normal one i think and uh i can't even because isn't that the only difference is there's just more brad duraf in the other one i don't know i've never actually seen legion I think I think so. Maybe not. I think I think this is the normal one. But you got Brad Dourif. He's in there. He's doing the God uh, God's work. God's favorite son. Mm-hmm. Brad Dourif. So he he's incredible. I I've always thought that. Um, I don't know. I like everyone. Or I like everything about this movie. It's got that. It's got that right bit of Catholic horror in it for me. You know. Right. You get the guilt and the shame, and you feel bad, and then you watch this, and then it makes you scared in the good way. Right. Yeah, I would need to rewatch this because I haven't watched this in. I've only watched this once, and that was eight years ago when I was uh, on a residence, uh, mm-hmm. just watching movies for mm-hmm. like thirty days. And damn, 
wrestling Which, documentaries uh, and Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> was that Deep uh, Deep Space May that you were watching movies for 30 days straight? I started watching them like, God damn. Yeah, it's like, it's because like May's like this, like after I'm done um, at the school for the semester, I was like, I guess spend a month decompressing and mm-hmm. doing things. And uh, yeah, that at the time I, but I was watching all this other stuff. And then finally at the end of it, I was like, Oh, I'm going to start watching D space. Nine. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I watched a lot, a lot Good. at that Good. point, like in a real short period of time. I also watched all of like parks and rec. Oh yeah. That's the good stuff. No. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I would, I would be interested to, you should, you know what I was thinking for my creep for my creeptober at least this year, I think I'm going to try to throw in like five, five or so rewatches of stuff just so I can, yeah, or not only just like throw in some rewatches so I can enjoy some stuff. I did that a few years ago. Uh, I think I called it like September slaughter and Mm. uh, I was just rewatching like good movies and being like, oh yeah, I haven't seen this forever. I only seen it once. I really liked it and Mm -hmm. watch it again and go. This is even better now. Or eh, yep. it's, the magic's gone, which is always I'm more afraid of that with like newerish movies mm-hmm. that like just immediately like oh yeah I've seen this thing like now in other mm-hmm. things like uh what's what's that called what's that movie uh like shit hereditary it follows oh yeah I'm always yep. like I'm suspect how I feel I'll feel about that on a rewatch or uh you know. Babadook, which I was very mm-hmm. like fine with at the time, and like I wonder maybe it'll maybe it'll yeah. hold up or or it'll be like real like ooh, this is that uh, th- this is like during the the artisanal horror mm-hmm. era. <laughs> oh, I think that's what they would uh what it you and me would call it artisanal. What do what do they call it? All those pretentious horror people, Fuck. elevated horror. El- yeah, that's sorry, I couldn't remember what it yeah. was. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, art is art is artisanal film craft, horror craft is just as pretentious. But uh, yeah. we're joking when we say it. They're they're not. That's the difference. I I don't know. If, I think there are some ways going. Uh, did you? Like, I don't know if you listened uh, to the the shockwaves where they had like William Lustig. No. So no. there's like, oh, uh, it's pretty okay. So one, there's a part where like William Lustig's talking about like how he's getting this work done on these restorations of these movies that he owns and how like, Oh, it's all these non, all these guys, they're like doing in secret and they're not union. So I don't, so they're, they don't have to, they can ignore these things. And you're like, Mm. and they're all like, "Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really, that's really cool. I'm like, it's really cool how they have like these like non-union jobs and they're like skirting like these, uh, these COVID measures. <laughs> like, but like they're fine with it because oh, as long as I get those movies, it's like pretty typical. But then uh, uh, William Lustig goes on to like talk about how like modern American horror movies are like really bad. <laughs> and uh, mm. it's pretty funny. Like, cause you're like, hey, has anyone seen this? And they go, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. They have to be like really political because like, yeah. like uh, they talked about the Soska sisters rabid movie, and he's like, oh, oh it's so bad. And they're trying to be like, oh yeah, what did you think of it, William? Because he can say whatever he wants. Yeah, but yeah, because that's a movie that nobody talked about, and uh, usually you think mm-hmm. that would be a big deal. It's a Cronenberg remake directed by these uh, much celebrated oh. uh, directors who are actually mm-hmm. like not good at all, but they have a they have an, they have an act. It's like oh, they're twins. And they're really into horror, guys. Well, I mean, uh, and they're, and they're not, easy yeah. on the eyes. Wink. I was gonna say not not the Soska sisters, but uh, I I think there's some infamous ladies who uh, talk about always being the hot chick that was into horror movies, and you're like, are you saying that, or is that something other people said? Because I don't really, I'm not buying this. Yeah, 
not based on appearances in any way, but the personality is ugly, Jarrett. That's what stands out with me. And then you watch Deadbeat by Dawn for the first yeah. time. Well, I, I was just going to – so the William Lustig thing, it oh. sounds interesting. Should I give it a listen? No. Because he sounds fun. Uh, I don't know. Do you it, think he'd come on our podcast? He might. I don't know. He'll talk about Maniac, I guess. That's fine. I, uh, I would love to talk about Maniac. With I, him. Anyways. I, I always wonder about those things. I'm like, I don't know if I want to be friends with these people because then you can't – like, then it becomes really hard to have opinions of them and like you can't talk shit. Yeah. No, I know, but it seems it's he sounds like he doesn't give a shit. So I'd be like, all right, William Mustig, Maniac, pretty wicked, Maniac Cop, pretty wicked. But I I tell him straight, I'd say, you know, Maniac, Maniac Cop two and three, I didn't get as much out of those movies. Oh man, that's the thing though, is these guys all love Maniac Cop two, they all love it. I know everyone does, but I didn't feel that way because well, you're special. I know. Yeah, I know. I'm glad you admitted it. So, anyways. Last little bit. I would love for you to watch Exorcist 3 again because I actually think that movie is very good. It's and no, I, well, it's no Exorcist 2. It's no Exorcist 2. Uh, but it's supposed to be? <coughs> so anyways, that was jo- Joe Bob was talking about. Infer- he is a, a wealth of information. <laughs> a, a font. Always. A font? Always the source font. wealth. Yeah. Wealth. Wharf. Uh, Wharf. So anyways. <laughs> Wharf. He then talks about Deadbeat at Dawn, which he, uh, they were talking about his review of it when it came out and uh, how that was like one of the headlines they used for it because he said he's been a champion of this movie forever because of the realistic violence. Uh, And he says, what I mean by that is he's like, in the opening, you'll see a knife fight. He's like, this is how knife fights happen. There's like two or three swings and then both guys are cut by the knives. And then it's just like, oh, shit, we have huge gaping cuts. And then they have to go stitch them up. He's like, it's super realistic. He's yes. like, I love it. Uh, and then you get um, the rest of the movie. So, like, Jim Van Bieber is the guy who made this. And mm-hmm. uh, he tell, Joe Bob tells an interesting story. I'm sure it's probably public or common knowledge, like, for you, too. But I didn't know his history. He was a film student. And then he was getting annoyed that they were only teaching him theory. And he's like, I want to – he's like, teach me practical shit. He's like, how do you manage a set and stuff like that? So he's like, fuck these guys. I'll go make my own movie. Mm-hmm. And he made that. Say that again. Here's... What? Say that again. Uh, where did where did I cut off? And then he <laughs> – well, he said, fuck this shit. And then he went and made Deadbeat at Dawn. Yeah. And it took like seven years for him to, re- uh, seven or eight years to make it. But um, it's funny. So Andrea actually watched this movie with me for a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, she, 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 she didn't mind it. She said uh, nice. she thought this was a remake of Grease. So I haven't seen Grease very much, but she's like, this is a lot of the same plot points of Grease, except there's like ultra violence to it. And I was like, that's a pretty hot take, babe. Pretty hot take indeed. So anyone out there who watches this, see if you think the same. Uh, So I think the biggest thing about this, like why people would watch it anyways, is just like some of some people would watch it to make fun of it, which I've never been on board for. Right. But the stunt work in this movie is crazy. And like the reason I it's not like guys driving cars off of skyscrapers into other skyscrapers or anything like that. It's nothing ridiculous, but it's actual dudes fighting each other and mm-hmm. you can see them punching each other in the head. And they're <laughs> actually like, they're landing shots, like popping each other right in the head. And they're just, they're just really fighting. And you're just like, Holy shit. You're like, they, 
they would have like beat up so many guys in this. Uh, and then even the director, he's in this, like he, he does that scene where he ju- jumps off the dam and Joe Bob's like, he like stops. He's like, that was like the craziest stunt he's ever done. He's like, he probably almost died doing this. He's like, that was a big fall. But then there's the one scene at the end where the car is going in between the buildings and he's scraping his body on the side. And like they, he talks about, he's like, there was actually like a little hook or something there and they didn't realize. And then in the actual shot, he's driving and it like rips his arm up because they're like, yeah, he was, he was, his body was pushed between a car and a wall and he actually did that. So Stunt work, pretty nuts, Jarrett. Pretty real nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're a it, champion of this movie too, right? I am. I'm a fan. It's yeah. like, it's when you uh, when you watch one of these types of movies, these regional action movies of no budget. You want you want this every time mm-hmm. you, you tune in. Yeah. You're like, maybe it'll be like Deadbeat by Dawn. And it's one of those movies that, like, you know, when I first watched it, I didn't know that. But when I would watch these types of movies, it's always like, you're looking for this and you, you get it here. It actually delivers on the the hope and promises of uh, this kind of movie. And the shot, the one Vinegar Syndrome movie that, like, uh, you one watches, say, when you after, right after you watch Sudden Fury, another, like, one-and-done director making these, like, cheap movies. It's got the same mm-hmm. vibe. It's nowhere near a... Uh, deadbeat at dawn mm-hmm. but I will also mention because I saw a lot of people saying oh my god he did this I gotta watch his Manson movie now don't oh. it's it is it is a a step down I think even Joe Bob said he's like he's like this was the peak this was the peak yeah yeah he's he's he never tops that like he's, yeah. he didn't he didn't make a whole lot uh, there's like a bit of a short film that he did that I talked about at some point that it's mm, it's almost like a study for that Manson movie thing, but yeah, it never, it just never uh, works out as well. Yeah, I think this one, uh, it's got all the magic. Man. My sweet Satan was the thing I'm trying to remember. Oh, okay. I remember you talking about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's really good. I think one thing that was funny too is uh, there's a quote he said he was like, "Pain is temporary, but film is forever." And I, when I was watching that cursed films, I'm pretty sure John Landis said the same thing at Vic Morrow's funeral. Cause like there's a, there's a clip of it. And I think, I don't oh. think he says pain is temporary. I think it's something like life. Actually, it might just be pain. He might say pain is temporary, but film eulogy he gave at Vic Morrow's funeral because he's just like, I'm not a bad guy. He's like, he's going to live forever. Now he's immortalized in film. And everyone was like, Whoa, is, is that this? Are you in the position to be saying this? <laughs> like, I mean, it's sure. it's a TV show on Shutter, yeah. so they they said it right. Well, or no, are you I'm, talking about John Landis? I'm talking about Landis. Oh, I don't think I don't think so at all. Like yeah. it seemed like a, the fact that they included it in there, it seemed like they were kind of just like, yeah, nobody really knew know why knows why he said that, <laughs> but trying to make himself feel better. Yeah. But it seems like he uh, he has always long denied uh, that they were at fault, even though there was like just insurmountable evidence. Is like, oh yeah, they knew that this was dangerous. They didn't give a shit. What are you gonna do, Rachel? What you gonna do? When they make a movie of this podcast, I, I hope that the stunts are dangerous and uh, a lot of people are put at risk. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you want to hear about some Star Trek, baby? Yes, I do. How, I how, how's season two shaping up? 
Uh, it's so far so good. I watched so last week I got up to episode ten, and then this uh, this week slowed down. I watched only eleven to sixteen. But there are some big highlights in there, Jarrett. Okay. Big. So uh, season two, episode 11, Contagion. Uh, this one was actually really cool. It was like um, they kind of cross paths with some Romulan ships. And uh, I can't even I'm, – I'm almost blanking. I don't remember what happens. But I remember Picard is like on one ship and then the Romulan – oh, it was like a uh, – it's like a super defense thing that shuts down both of their ships and is like killing them. Uh, it was pretty good, actually. I liked it. The Romulans have ridiculous clothes. It's like super shoulder pads yeah. and it's all like scaled. Yep. Uh, it's awesome. I think it's hilarious. Uh, but Contagion was actually pretty good. Uh, next, we had The Royal, which is a Casino Royale episode. Oh, yeah. Or, or Data and Riker get stuck in Casino they, Royale. They can't leave. And they can't leave until uh, they buy the casino, but they right. have to figure that out. Um, I didn't. This episode is fine. It's whatever. But the really, I think the thing that stands out is before they were there, a NASA astronaut got stuck there, and it was like aliens made it based on like a book he had called The Royale. Uh, and he, the astronaut, writes in it before he dies, and he's like, he's like, I don't hold them at. He's like, I don't blame them for this. They didn't realize the hell that they have created for me living the same day for like 50 years or something. <laughs> and it gets really sad because you're like, oh, my God, because the way he's talking about it, you're like, this guy lived a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. Uh, OK, so that was episode 12. 13 Times squared is uh, where a duplicate of Picard shows up and they find out he's from six hours in the future and something's going to happen that blows up the enterprise. That was mm-hmm. a pretty good episode. Yep. I liked it. Your buddy, uh, is it miles O'Bannon? O'Brien. O'Brien. He actually, O'Brien. he had some stuff. Yeah. He had some stuff to do in this one. Uh, he was kind of, he had some actual more minds than just like, huh? What? Huh? So uh Times squared. That was pretty good. I like that one quite a bit. The Icarus Factor, uh, not very good. Riker, it was fine. Riker's dad comes, and they have like an American Gladiator-style fight. Um, and it was like, I don't know, man. You're, you're watching it, and you're just like, nobody cares about Riker's dad. It was like, why are you oh, doing Oh, I'm this? just pulling up the screenshots. I don't know I got that. Some pics. I'll send them yeah, to you. Yeah, I, I don't know if that ever appears again. Riker's dad? Oh, the Ambojitsu, the fictitious sport shown in the show involves fighting with staffs while blindfolded. Yeah, Ambojitsu. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm sending you some pics here because uh, yeah, I was gonna no, send it to yeah. I, I, I think the only time it ever appears is uh, in that episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about Riker's dad. He was fine, but it was like I don't know. They uh, every I time, think they every like Star Trek family member thing is just terrible i think yeah they they like brought it up they're like well riker's got like a, a chip on his shoulder because his dad was never there and it's like i feel like this has never been part of his character and it doesn't need to be because that's not what riker's about speaking of riker oliver granger sent me a video of riker sitting down it's oh like a montage have you seen that what were he he just mounts he <laughs> with the whips leg. His leg over the why does he do that style points man Oliver Granger, he was, he was just like, that's how a man sits down. I was like, clearly, <laughs> he's got some something he's working with, Jared. Kahunas? 
cojones. Uh, so then I watched two more episodes. Uh, episode 15 was called Pen Pals, and that's where Data befriends like an alien girl in distress, and they have to go against the Prime Directive. Mm. I actually thought that episode was okay yeah. because like Data's um, – you you love data and it's like this i don't know they're like trying to humanize him a little bit but they did that earlier in that measure of a man episode so uh i didn't mind the episode i thought it was all right um what was i gonna say oh in the episode before i i forgot uh they they do a um bar mitzvah for Worf, where <laughs> Worf is like feeling weird and uh wes is like you know this is where klingons usually ascend through pain so they have a ascension circle where he gets Worf gets tortured a little bit, and it's like he it's like his bar mitzvah, and I was like that's cute. So, anyways, uh, pen pals I actually thought was pretty good. And then Jared, last night late, I started it. I was gonna watch like half, and I was like, and then I was gonna go to bed, but I ended up watching the whole episode, season two, episode sixteen, titled Q Hugh. Do you know Q who? Oh, that's. Yeah, okay, that okay. I don't know the episode title. Sorry, wait, uh, you cut out there. You said that's the episode. Oh, I, I know that. Okay, that's, that's the episode's title. Yeah, Q, so, who? Yeah. So Q shows up, and I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about Q yet. Right now, he's just kind of a whiny little nerd who always shows up, and you're just like, get out of here, Q. Just causing problems for everyone. But this is the one where he he's just like, you guys think you're such hot shit. Oh! Oh, it's that episode. Hot. Fuck yeah! Let's see what happens when I put you in this deep corner of uh, of the galaxy, the the Gamma Quadrant. I think that you've never been to. And then Guinan, Whoopi Goldberg, she pops up, and then you see Q and her have an interaction. And then he's like, "She's not who she says she is. She is a pixie." And you're just like, "Oh shit!" Like Whoopi Goldberg's like an old like fairy. That's pretty sick. So the. Q launches them away, and then Jarrett, out in the corners of space, this little cube, this little square, just approaches. And uh, Whoopi Goldberg's like, yo, you guys gotta get the fuck out of here. They're like, you have no idea what's coming. But Picard, he says, he's like, he's like, I know we should leave, but I'm interested. That's... And he stays. And you know what happens, Jarrett? What? The Borg. I know. Oh my god. And, I, they, and they just start getting their shit fucked up. Oh, it's so good. Like, so I, I've i seen the Borg. I know the Borg, but I've never actually watched episodes about the Borg. And I think they're, they're such a cool, like, character design. And, like, the, the concept of them, of this, like, hive mind consciousness of, like, computer. Oh, it's awesome. I see why they became so popular. But the Borg, so cool, Jared. So cool. What do you think about the Borg? Uh, I don't want to say too much. Okay. Because okay, like, okay. So one thing to keep in mind is mm-hmm. think, keep, put yourself into the mindset of like watching this in what? 1989. And huh? Star Trek has never done like long-term storylines ever. Like, and so yeah. this, this sets up like, Oh, well, there's this threat that's coming. And then, like, not pay that off for like, <laughs> like it's it's you don't see the Borg again for a while, and then and and when you but when they do, it's like uh, all all time like banger shit. 
I I already thought their their introduction is all time oh, banger. It's oh yeah. so yeah. It's it's all it's very menacing. Uh, yeah. No, it's what's kind of weird is. For, I don't know. I must have looked something up recently, but uh, I've been getting recommendations on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, a clip of like the the debut of the Borg popped up, and I just watched that, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" I remember like because when I was watching this as a kid, I kind of like was watching stuff in syndication, and then new episodes would air, and I was like backtracking, being like, "Oh, is this like the first time that the Borg appeared?" Mm-hmm. And like kind of put together that. Um, the timeline of these things and so yeah it, it, i didn't get like the the nuance of it but when you're watching you're like oh yeah this this is like a big deal mm-hmm. it is like they they actually set it up so it's really well done like where you have the kind of vagueness of Whoopi goldberg and like not even intentional they're like what happened she's like i don't know what happened i just know that they wiped out our entire race and it's like you should get the hell out of here and they're like all right we're gonna go look into things a little bit more and she's like don't She's like, what are you, dumb? Get out of here. And it's just everything around them. I think their design is super cool. Like, Well, do you ever see them in the, this yeah. episode? Or you actually see a Borg? So the cube shows up. Yeah. And then what happens is one of the Borg soldiers beams into engineering and then uh, scans all the computers. Yeah. And then they kill him. And then uh, and then they beam oh. into the Borg cube. Who the, Who do they beam? Data, Worf, and Riker right. into the uh, the Borg cube. Yeah. And um, Whoopi Goldberg, again, she's like, you shouldn't go over there. And Picard's just like, we, we're going to go get some intel. So you see the little uh, drawer with the babies. And they're like, well, they're mm. born organic. And then they get uh, turned into the hybrid. Right. Oh, yeah. Because like, this is the thing. Because like, they have those shields that like they, yep. they're adapting and stuff like that. Mm. You know who directed this episode, too, is uh, Rob Bowman. Who like directs like a whole bunch of uh, X Files later? Oh, cool! Uh, and Rain of Fire. Remember Rain of Fire? I do. Yeah. Hey, remember, remember Electra? Yep. Yep. Same guy. Rob Bowman. <laughs> well, it's. I mean, it's too bad he didn't have as much success in the the movies. But as far as TV goes, uh, and, this episode well, was great. Come on, X Files fight the future, or, is it, or the first <sighs> X Files movie anyway? Oh, the movie. I thought you meant yeah, uh, fight, the fight the future. Fight the future. Yeah. I was it's funny you say that because watching these uh, X-Files popped up in my mind again because I did my rip through of the X-Files just before we started the podcast. And I was kind of like this kind of watching some of these TNGs. I was like, you know what? I feel like going watching some of those uh, all time banger episodes of the X-Files again. But it's been pulled from Netflix. It's not on there anymore. Uh, It's too bad. It'll come back. Maybe Actually, no, it won't because it's uh, Fox owns it. Mm-hmm. Which means that Disney owns the X Files, and they probably won't put it on Disney Plus because it's rated it's, mature. It's too scary, too scurry, which is bogus. But yeah, the Borg are awesome, and then like you said, the promise of it, where it's set up, it's just like Whoopi's just like now they know that you're here. Yeah. So it's like you don't know. It's like they're. I think they set it up where it was like they're seven thousand light years away. Where mm-hmm. they they explain they're like at maximum warp, it would take two and a half years yep. to come back. It's so true. if that's when they come back in the show, oh, oh, what do you think, buddy? What do you think is going to happen? Mean, as much as I want to see them pop up before then, it's like that's some pretty expertly crafted TV. Oh, well, I mean for for the time for the time it definitely was. Mm-hmm. Super cool. So uh, Borg are awesome. Did you watch any movies, my man? I watched, if you don't include these, uh, these Cormans, I watched a couple short yeah. films. Um, okay. But the only thing I, I mean, 
But I also um, watched the first episode of The Last Dance. Oh, the Michael Jordan thing? Yeah. You should tell me what you think. I'll tell you what Ryan thought because he's finished it all. And then I'll tell you what Ken Burns thought. (laughs) Uh, Well, I watched the first one and it's got like, I mean, I grew up in like the, that era, but I was 14 and I never watched basketball because it's because what it is, is it's going to follow the. Is it the ninety seven season or the ninety eight season? However, that Something is. Like that. Yeah. yeah, they're they're going for their they're going to go for their sixth uh, championship, mm-hmm. and it's the kind of the beginning of that. And so the first episode just kind of touches on uh, Michael Jordan's like rookie stuff because it also mm-hmm. like I mean I'm not sure if they're going to go deeper into like Pippin and Rodman and stuff like that, but I liked it. Um, yeah, I I thought it was like I I'm I love sports documentaries. I don't give a fuck about sports like watching mm-hmm. them live or as like anything else, but I'm, I'm a sucker for the the story of right. these things. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to definitely watch the rest of them. Uh, nice. W- one of these days when I have How... some time to squeeze in, because each episode is like, I think like an hour or less. How many episodes are there? Eight or 10 or I something? Th- I think 10. Ooh, baby. It's lengthy, but that's only 10 episodes of Star Trek. So yeah. When you put it in that perspective. So you, you like it, you're going to keep going. Yep. Nice. Until I mean, sometimes the music is a, a little uh, swollen. It's it's a little like ah uh, yes, because documentary filming. That's what we do it. Uh, but you know what? You know what's super lame though is so what? because that turned out to be really successful. They're going to do a follow up, but they're going to do it on the Patriots and Tom Brady. Uh, who gives a shit? <laughs> and that's Come the thing. On. Like I don't think anyone other than like uh, one person Patriots that we know. Fans? Yeah, one person we know. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like. I I don't know, Jared. Like I've never liked the Patriots. I don't know. You can't see, but I'm wearing a Steelers shirt right now, and I hate the Patriots because fuck them. They're cheaters, and they suck. So I I, ugh, ugh. but I'm I'm glad you like it because I as you said you're not a sports guy, but you are a sports doc guy. Yeah. So friend of the show Ryan Nagel is a big sports guy. Uh, and a doc guy, and uh, he said he's finished, and he said he really, really enjoyed it. So he kind of told me a few things that he liked about it. Uh, but then I, I was kind of like, because he asked, he's like, are you going to watch it? I was like, probably eventually. But uh, there was this thing. Did you hear like what Ken Burns was talking about it? Because it, it's really stuck with me, and it's kind of putting okay. putting me off watching it. What did he say? Uh, he said that he's not going to watch it because from the out, like from the start, he's like, uh, he's like, it's been tainted. He's like, because it's being made by Michael Jordan's production company. So he's like, they're biased. Right. So, I mean, I mean, that's like, that's not going to keep me from watching it. I'll get, I will watch it. I'm just not in a hurry now. I like Ken Burns is a major nerd, but, uh, I mean, he does have a point. He's just like, yeah, they're biased because it's made by them. So they're going to paint it like in a way that is, fortunate or favorable for them i guess yeah i mean so this is like one of the things that comes up with like the 30 for 30 documentaries too with uh because there's there's ones that are like made by filmmakers and then there's Mm -hmm. the ones that are kind of like they feel like espn productions and when like say like the ones about the yankees you have Mm -hmm. to kind of go these feel like advertisements for the teens but that's just like there's so much money on the line. And if you want the cooperation, mm-hmm. you have to like deal with this stuff. It's, it's yeah. really difficult to uh, navigate this now, now more than ever. Like when, mm-hmm. when Ken Burns made baseball, 
I feel like that was still a different era. And, yeah. and plus he's Ken Burns and mm-hmm. he has to throw his, uh, his weird haircut around, uh, and get his way. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I think his baseball documentary series is fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's his thing. And he like took, he makes it like, Oh, it's like really cool thing. I mean, I never want to watch baseball, but mm-hmm. I, I'll watch his documentary, uh, anytime or like civil yep. war, or, mm-hmm. uh, uh, unforgivable uh, unforgivably black unforgivable blackness the one documentary on the one boxer like mm-hmm. that stuff's like i don't know really good but right. yeah it's an interesting i didn't know that about the production thing, well i think so we'll I see how that... it goes we'll see, i'm gonna see how it goes i guess yeah. but like so far i mean like it seems like this is pretty typical this is how these documentaries yep. go um mm-hmm. Well, I I wouldn't expect them to just like shit all over him. What's it like? Yeah, what what is there exactly to say? I mean, like, yeah, he's one of the most famous people of the 20th century. uh, Yeah, in sports star. I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, everybody knows who he is. You've never, I've never, I don't know if I've actually seen him play basketball. So it's actually it's really Mm -hmm. cool watching these clips of him do things. But yeah, I mean, actually, the one thing I've heard is uh, some people get uh, uh, bees in their bonnet because there's these declarations that he's like the greatest basketball player in history, like players, but, but then there's people who are like, well, look at the, look at LeBron James, like, no. look, look, look at his scoring. And so like, that's like, well, like this, and this is like, okay, if you want to talk about it in this terms, it's like Michael Jordan changed the game. He mm-hmm. like, because when he was playing, he was like better, like his playing ability was like above the, uh, the lummoxes mm-hmm. of that he was playing against. And he just made them look bad. The, 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 if you brought like the same guy in, it'd be a far more like even playing field. Cause like the style of play has evolved because of mm-hmm. the innovations of play, but you can't like you, what's the point of arguing these things? Yeah. Um, well, I think I, I don't know if it's from the last dance, but I did see a quote where it was like Wilt Chamberlain yep. was talking to Michael Jordan. Okay. And, it, and Wilt Chamberlain was like, everyone talks about how you changed the game. He's like, but the game changed for me. He's like, they literally changed the rules of the game because he's like, I was that good. Like Wilt Chamberlain. Right. And like, so that was like, I think the reason whether it's in last dance or not, like whoever brought it up was kind of just like this conversation people have about LeBron. They were having this conversation with Michael Jordan and Wilt Chamberlain Mm -hmm. at the same time too. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, my opinion, I think Michael Michael Jordan is better, but what what are you yeah. gonna do? I mean, I I don't have a horse in the race. I uh, yeah. like I said, like I I've heard people kind of get all, but what about my guy or this mm-hmm. guy that's contemporary? You're like, yeah, they're all really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So that's I, it's cool that you uh, having not seen. Like I've I've seen I was too young, but I did watch them, and then I've seen lots of highlights of the Michael Jordan games and things like that. So mm-hmm. I I know them well enough. But yeah, I was just bringing that up because even Ryan said something. I told him the Ken Burns thing, and he was like, "Well, he's like they don't paint Michael Jordan as like the best guy throughout. Like they do show him being like kind of shitty too. So he's like, he's like, what are you gonna do? He's like, this is the this is how we have it, right? And he's right. like, I'm glad we have it. And yep. he's like, whatever. Ken Burns is a nerd. <laughs> He is like he yeah. would, he's like the textbook definition, I think. Uh, absolutely. And well, that's, that's... And that's why we love him. But I mean, well, like, yeah. from like a the ethical standpoint of a documentarian, I mean, it's like he's the one who's going to be asking that stuff and saying, "Well, no, I wouldn't do it under those terms." And he's probably very particular yeah. about how he works because he's got that right uh, academic drive and being like, "Yeah, this can't work this way." And it's like, mm-hmm. wait, but I don't know. It's this Netflix shit. <laughs> it's yep. like there's actually someone who did a really interesting breakdown of um, like how much like what HBO does 
and like what Netflix does and like the, yeah. the how many hits HBO generates and they produce like you know uh what a fifth of what Netflix mm-hmm. does and they have a much higher rate of like success where Netflix produces so much but like so little that it actually mm-hmm. has staying power well yeah look at Tiger King right right yeah like, yeah like I don't know what the I mean Tiger King was like a huge like it, it was able to like capture a moment <laughs> like of mm-hmm. uh like people being stuck at home and like, talking about things that are like ridiculous but mm-hmm. w- will people be studying the the tiger king film i i doubt it yeah i doubt it well I, that's cool that you're watching it did you uh, anything else or that's that's the only thing i really have had uh time and then mm-hmm. uh the other thing i guess that goes along with scenes from a marriage but We'll talk about mm. that. So that's about it for me. Uh, you got any news? I mean, we've neglected to talk about all the people who've died in the last couple of weeks, like Fred Willard. But I mean, oh, people yes. are dying left and right. It's hard to keep track anymore. <sighs> yeah, Fred Willard right. did die. HBO Max is uh, coming. Zack Snyder's there. A lot of people are petitioning for the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad. And he has said it'd be pretty easy to make. I think uh, I, I, rep- hate, I hate I hate I hate this stuff. I hate it. I know. I think <laughs> a representative of HBO Max was like, "Let's." They were like, they tweeted, they're like, "Let's just do one thing at a time, okay?" Like, <laughs> anyways, that's about it for me. That's about it. I don't know. I'm I'm not on the internet really that much at this time. It's uh, good. Well, I don't know what's, what people are talking about. I see that Sons of Anarchy is trending in Canada at this moment. Why, why would why? that be something about, oh, I think it's on Netflix. And now, oh, good. In Canada? Apparently. Someone just oh, said. Shit. Maybe. Huh. Maybe. Uh, I don't, maybe it's been on all along. All I know is that it's, uh, there's parts of it that are super exciting, but mm. it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's not worth it. It overstays its welcome. So uh-huh. don't, maybe don't do it. Okay. Well, I've I've always been interested, but it's it's never been because one thing in Canada is we don't have FX on Netflix like how America did forever. So it's like we never had Sons of Anarchy. I always wanted to watch it. I just never did. I I think parts of that show would drive you nuts. Probably. No. Hey, let's take a look and see if Atlanta is available to buy on Blu-ray. Oh, look, it's not. No, it's not available to buy. No, apparently not. Maybe, How are you maybe, supposed maybe, to watch it? Uh, well, there's like a I could import the first season on DVD for forty five dollars. Fuck. Uh, and it'll take six to ten days to ship. And there's no Blu-ray. And uh, oh look, because yeah, we live in the era where like people don't put things on Blu-ray anymore because they want you to watch things in standard def on DVD. <sighs> which, that makes so much sense. And and pay like the same amount of money. Yeah. That's frustrating. Yep. So I, this is, I, and, and, and yeah, it's, I think it's like burn on demand too. It's like ugh. added anger at, it's just more salt in my wounds. I still think just like a lot of the, Oh yeah, it totally there, is. It is a, fo- like it is. It. Yeah. It's Fox movie on demand, which means it's burnt mm. disc. Out but you can do that yourself, right? Yeah. I could do that myself. Like th- this is why, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Silly. Silly. Well, ah. eh, you want to get married? You want to get married? Sure. After the break, we get married and live happily ever after.
until we don't. <gasps> <gasps> And carriage this, I tell you, brother You can't have one without the other Love and marriage, love and marriage It's an institute you can't disparage Ask the local gentry And they will say it's elementary Try, try Try to separate them It's an illusion Try, try, try And you will only come To this conclusion Love and marriage Alltså, frågan är Hur skulle ni vilja beskriva er själva I några få ord? Ja, det var ju inte lätt Så svårt är det väl inte heller va? Ja, det är så lätt att bli missförstådd Tror du det? Ja, det kan väl låta som skryt om jag beskriver mig själv som ytterst intelligent, eh, ungdomlig, framgångsrik, välbalanserad, sexig. Eh, en man med världsamvete, bildad, beläst, eh, lysande sällskapsmänniska. Ja. Jag var skrita på mera då. Jag, jag är kamratlig. Kamratlig på ett trevligt sätt även mot de som hade sämre ställt. Ja. Jag är sportig. Jag är en god familjefar. Jag är en god son. Jag har inga skulder. Jag betalar mina skatter. Jag respekterar vår regering vad den än hittar på. Jag älskar vårt kungahus. Jag har gått ur stadskyrkan. Är det, är det bra så eller ska det vara lite fler detaljer? Ja, jag, jag är en storartad älskare. <laughs> ja hörni, vi kanske hoppar den här frågan. Du då Marianne, vad säger du? Vad ska jag säga nu då? Ja, jag är gift med Johan och har två döttrar. Mm. Jag kan inte titta på något jo, annat för ta tänk efter. Ja, jag tycker Johan är väldigt trevlig. Tack, Vi har varit gifta i tio år. Jag har just förlängt kontraktet. Jag har kanske inte samma självklara uppskattning av min egen förträfflighet som Johan. Men om jag ska vara ärlig så är jag glad att jag får leva det liv jag lever. Det är ett bra liv om du förstår vad jag menar. Säg men nu då, vad svårt det var. Hon har snygg figur. <laughs> Skojar du, jag försöker ta frågan på allvar. Ja, jag har två döttrar, Karin och Eva. Ja, det har du sagt. Vi kanske ska ta och sätta igång med lite data va? Jag vill ha reda på er ålder först. Jag är 42 år, men det kan bli ingen människa tror jag. Jag är 35. Mm. Vi kommer mm. bägge från nästan otillständigt borgerlig miljö. Mm. Johans far är läkare. Ja, och min... Mor är mamma i avsevärd grad. Ja. Min far är jurist. Det var bestämt redan från början att jag så skulle bli advokat. Jag är yngst i en syskonflock på sju. Mm. Mor styrde ställigt stort hus. Mer att ta det under lite lugnt. Alltså, gör hon det? Det konstiga med oss båda är faktiskt att vi trivs väldigt bra med våra föräldrar. Vi umgås en hel del. Det har aldrig varit några egentliga konflikter. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Scenes from a Marriage from 1974, directed by Ingmar Bergman. The synopsis, RJ, from Letterboxd, mm. 
Johan and Marianne are married and seem to have it all. Their happiness, however, is a facade for a troubled relationship, which becomes even rockier when Johan admits that he's having an affair. Before long, the spouses separate and move uh, towards finalizing their divorce, but they Mm -hmm. make attempts at reconciling. Even as they pursue other relationships, Johan and Marianne realize that they have a significant bond, but also many issues that hinder that connection. Hmm. So, RJ. Interesting. This is one of those movies that's been on my radar for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we're doing this podcast the Criterion mm-hmm. Collection podcast. And there's these yeah. movies that come up, you know. You see Ingmar Bergman, you go, oh, what are the other ones he's directed? And you see mm-hmm. this one called Scenes from a Marriage. It's a title that doesn't really scream excitement. Or, <laughs> sure. it, or it seems like, oh, yeah, that's that's a very descriptive title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sign me up, please. And then you, and then you look at the uh, the DVD cover that they still mm-hmm. use of a couple in bed. It has a sort of like buzzy kind of pinkness to it. Um, mm-hmm. And you're like, well, that this looks dry. <laughs> like this, like what, how is, this how's, looks like a Noah Baumbach film. This looks like every Noah Baumbach film. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wish I'd got around to watching uh, marriage story this week, but it didn't happen. I wish I got around That's to right. rewatching husbands and wives. Woodrow Allen's uh, film that's very inspired by the scenes from a marriage. Mm -hmm. I wish I got around to watching scenes from a mall, which is apparently uh, another take on this. Mm. A lot of, a lot of people have responses, I think to scenes from a marriage, Mm. Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I had never seen this before. Uh, I, oh, I, I didn't know that. I had uh, been wanting to pull the trigger on buying this blindly, mm-hmm. but it's a very expensive because it's like a super comprehensive set. Because uh, for those who don't know, Scenes from a Marriage uh, is kind of from the era when Bergman is working uh, in television, making these television miniseries. So this, Fanny and Alexander, are both, uh, when you look at it, they're, they're essentially five-hour-long movies that are broken up into several episodes. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, I watched Fanny and Alexander for the very first time. And I just went all in and went, you know what? I might only <laughs> ever watch this one time in my life. I might as mm-hmm. well watch the uh, the television version. Because you, when you say that, it always sounds like, oh, the TV version. It, it's mm-hmm. going to be like that uh, Dune, David Lynch Dune that's for TV. <laughs> like it, it, it doesn't have yeah. like good connotations. But you read a little bit about it and you go, oh, it was made for TV. Mm-hmm. And then the American cut is like the theatrical version. It's like a compressed version where yeah. they take the 16 millimeter, <laughs> they blow it up to 35, and they take out a bunch of stuff to make it leaner. Which I, I mean, now, I, of course, I'd be curious to see how they cut it down. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if it would make that big a difference. Uh, ultimately, because I feel yeah. like there's a lot here that you could probably reduce, especially when you have entire episodes that are set in one room mm-hmm. for like the whole for 50 minutes. Yeah, maybe, maybe it just needs to be rebranded as the Bergman cut, and then it'll get a HBO Max exclusive. But it's been released. Well, people don't know that though. If you, it's re, it's called rebranding, Jared. Let me tell you I, about marketing. Okay. All right. I see. You, you, mm-hmm. you, you told me. They're marketing. All right. So when as this uh this film dawned on us, 
Uh-huh. Uh, you you had some uh, you you had some disappointment, some fears. I, I was mostly surprised, Jared. And you know, fear comes from the unknown. So I was just like, I was like, five and a half hours. What? No. I said, what? no. What? It's Cormay. I was like, we're already watching over 50 movies this month. We don't have time for this shit. It's like we barely have time for one movie that's not Roger Corman. And it's and, like, what are we doing here? And, and Next Generation, too. And TNG watching has been put on hold, man. Way big. Way big. Way big. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we made that decision. Hey, yeah. we're, we're going to go all in and watch the 281-minute sure. cut as opposed to the 169 and um, once again, as mm-hmm. with uh, my experience with Fanny Alexander, I, I don't mm-hmm. regret it. Um, yep. Yeah, th- th- this was a a joy uh, to watch, d- despite huh. it, despite it being a absolute cringe fest. <laughs> sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> because, oh man, I don't know uh, this this uh, I don't know. I you, you don't expect Ingmar Bergman to make something like this. Uh, and it's curious, like the things that it influences and like is spread out into, because this is, it, it's not Todd Solon's levels of like cringiness and stylization. Mm-hmm. It's just very real. It's so well observed, the, the interactions mm-hmm. of people, but it's also very Bergman. Uh, when you look at, um, other of his films, like Autumn Sonata, like, oh, but, yeah. that, but that has this polish to it, this mm-hmm. cinematic polish where, uh, like you know, you're watching a movie. This though, even like it's episodic nature. Like it just kind of lulls you into it. These minimal sets where like it is literally mm-hmm. here's a white room with like a bookshelf up against it and a table and a desk, and we're going to play it out for like we're going to act off of one another for 50 minutes, and it's going to be mm-hmm. like the most natural thing in the world, and it's going to completely fucking work somehow. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, yeah, I just want to say I love this movie. I this movie, okay. I I love it. It's incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad I finally got around to watching it. It, uh, I guess it more than lived up to my expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I think that the episodic nature of it, watching it this week, sometimes there's dread going into mm-hmm. watching these things when you're like, I don't know if I'm in the right mood to watch this. Um, there, I don't know if there's the right time to watch scenes from a marriage. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there, yeah, it'd be tough to say. I guess it depend yeah. where you are, you know. Yeah, but sometimes, boy, mm-hmm. boy, is it? It's a, it's a tough one. But okay. uh, yeah. yeah, so th- this is a, this is a story of this husband and wife, Johan and mm-hmm. Marianne. Um, they have children who you never see. The, I uh, they, they do they do not exist. I'm going to jump in. Yeah, just real quick. I had a note of that because I think that's one of the best parts of this is that they are parents, they have children, but they are never seen once because I think it's like, these are scenes of the marriage, Jared. Scenes this from is about the marriage. The relationship. And it's like, I know what you're saying. It's like, well, parents can't really separate their children from their relationship. And it's like, well, these guys do because uh, Johan isn't much of uh, the parental type. So I actually think that's one of the strongest parts of this is that it's like, you don't see the kids because it's like, ultimately, the kids don't matter to what's happening between them. That's my yeah. take. But, so, because like, if you and you, and this whole like, you know, five and a half hours or whatever it winds up being, yeah. you don't see like more than ten other actors. Mm-hmm. You see the one couple that they yeah. have dinner with, uh, mm-hmm. Katarina and Peter. 
you see the woman that um, Johan works with at the university. Yeah. Like very like in the sort of like thing where she's like read his poetry and she's like trying to be like really nice about how she doesn't find anything interesting about it. And he gets uh, real mad about that. And mm-hmm. then there's like, the, I guess there's the journalist, the woman that's interviewing them yeah. in the very, very first scene. You get to see mm-hmm. her. Be, I mean, I totally forgot about her until I'm just looking at the credits. Right. Um, see you get here. her mom. You get her mother. Yeah. At the you end. You get her mother. Uh, you get a call. Um, a co- you get a colleague uh, of his that he's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, you're really giving it to her, huh? <laughs> huh? Ah, ah? A real, as, a real as Jared men, type, as as men do." Mm-hmm. And that's you get you get a couple people on the phone, but uh, you get some also. conversations on the phone. Yeah, but no one else really in uh, in the floosh. Yeah, that's the Swedish version of flesh floosh. Uh. On a purely uh, superficial level, do you not do you agree that Liv Allman looks great with glasses? Uh, I do completely, and uh, I'm glad you say that because you know who Liv Allman is, or you know who is the modern day Liv Allman? Who? Amy Adams. Mm. Think about it. I'm looking. I'm looking at a photo of uh, Liv of her as a young woman. I don't know. I'll do a side by side. Okay. Well, we, I, we'll, we'll, we'll have some. Uh, I, I've got one. I, not just in the. I, I, I've got. I've got one. I'll have to save for off the air. <laughs> I don't, okay. I, but I've got one for you that, like, I was going to message you, and I didn't like. I, I didn't want to mm-hmm. ruin the movie because <laughs> I was like, because I think one scene it would have uh, tainted this. I think for you, but I, I mean, I appreciate you doing that. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, yeah. So yeah, she, but yeah, she she's she's so great, <laughs> like in this movie. Yeah, actually, like that's the thing. Like to make this type of movie work, you have to have two actors that have mm-hmm. like pretty great chemistry, are incredibly like settled into this role and like completely embrace it, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, they 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 go for. It. Like you don't like they completely seem like a married couple. You don't question it at all for five and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie, like I don't know, I don't know what the differences are. This should be interminable. Uh, this should be uh, uh, a chore and really not a great time to watch. But everything about this, the way he, uh, Bergman shoots every scene, feels like completely uh, exactly what it should be. Scenes mm-hmm. that should go on too long feel like they make sense it, it captures all of the like the the cadence and the way that conversations go back and forth the arguing back and forth those shifts and like how they can go like from having these extreme emotions to like these lulls and they could build up back up again and they go mm-hmm. like, they waver back and forth it's i don't know it, it's it's a hell of a piece of writing mm-hmm. i mean it's very play-like uh it's debatable whether or not this is like film making in some ways but which it 100 percent is particularly uh probably one of my absolute like ugh, i love those end the end credits of this so much the, <laughs> oh oh i like every time i was i was I, of a pharaoh yeah <laughs> and uh the 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 zoom out like oh mm-hmm. from the zoom in fuck i like they're so be- like those photographs those of the stills mm-hmm. of that footage is they're so beautiful and it's just this long yeah. and and bergman reading it <laughs> And like, mm-hmm. this is the end of the four. This is the end of the four, third part of mm-hmm. scenes from a marriage. 
it's like, and as you look at this scenery from Fluga, yeah. here are listen, or it's like you can listen to me speaking the credits now. Yeah. And he says, in the role of this, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I thought that stuff was awesome too. It's it's like you said, it's like I looked forward to it at the end of each one. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I was like, nice. it's over, it's over, it's the, this this installment's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, let me just take a look at the breakdown here of the uh, the episodes as we go. So there's six, okay. there's six parts. Uh, the first one is kind of like, hey, this is the snapshot of them before things go to shit. And fuck, it like, I don't know, that like interaction of them on the couch being interviewed by the mm-hmm. journalist, even then the tension's there. There's the scene where they're mm-hmm. having to pose. And as soon as they're finished the photographs, they like wrestle their hands from one another and like immediately kind of separate. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go... This Johan guy, he's quite the the boaster. Uh, this guy, this guy seems <laughs> yes, a, a, is. a bit much. And I kind of wonder, and this is like kind of a, I don't know if it's a it's a criticism of like just these types of things, but it's it seems like the movie's very sympathetic to Marianne, mm-hmm. pretty overwhelmingly because she doesn't really like do anything too outworldly, like out of the line or bad. Mm-hmm. Like like she doesn't like you know she's often like the victim of right. the circumstances like the most like kind of like typical weird breakout thing that happens is after in the th- end of the third episode when Johan uh ends things she makes the phone call to mm. her to the, to the family friends and tells what tells them she just wants to talk to someone and lets them know what's happened and they're like oh yeah we mm-hmm. knew we knew it was happening, and they're like, "She's like, and she's more mad at them than she is mm-hmm. at Johan." That's uh, that's very real, <laughs> like, yep. and and it's like, and it's so intense, and that's like that that's like kind of like when she like you can see that the because mm-hmm. the whole time she's like looks like she's just been like kind of like like a deer in headlights for like a, a huge chunk of it, mm-hmm. and the denial of it, like her whole ex, her expression behind those glasses eating mm-hmm. her her sandwich, and she's just looking at him. What's wrong? And you can tell in his body language what's coming. Yep. Yeah. It's well, and I think that too. Like, so you're saying like she's deer in the headlights for the first two, three, and I think that's like uh, that's one of the big marks for it is that um, later in four, five, when he, when he inevitably is just like, you know, maybe, uh, maybe shouldn't have did that or whatever, and she's just like, it's kind of her growth where she's just like, I've never been able to be myself, and she's like, now I actually am. And she's like, I, she like takes ownership of herself and she's, she says what she wants to say. And that's her like little character development, right? Is like those first few ones, she is kind of submissive to whatever. And then she finds her own kind of voice and then, then she says what she feels and she's just like, I'm better now. I'm, I'm actually what I am. And And she's the only character. She's only one of the two that we don't actually see ever at work. In her like law office. Oh no, you do. You, you do. do. Okay. Yeah, there's a uh, the one scene with the older lady who's filing for divorce. This is oh, before they break right, up. It's right. like yeah, episode yeah, two. Yeah, yeah and uh, the lady is explaining how she's fallen out of love, but you're she's right. stayed together for the kids. And, that, the, and like, that's the Blink One Eighty Two. Oh, you're totally right. Yeah, because is that the same yep. episode? Because that's when you see him at his job too, in the, like the the, yep. bl- the black laboratory space. Yeah, episode two. He's some kind of like psychologist. It looked like. Yeah. Based on his experiments. Oh yeah. Okay. That's what that's what I thought from it because it's like, like 
he's doing all the motion things and i was just like that's not really anything but what he was like recording was the her reaction to not being able to Touch hit the, the things okay. and i was like i've been involved in psych studies that i've on both ends having been a subject and the person doing it i was like this looks like a psych thing to me i don't know no i, I don't know it could have been okay. geography for all i fucking I'm, know. i think you might be right there i was thinking like yeah. physics or something or like something about like eyes, but you no, know, what you said makes total more like because they never address it specifically. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So in that yeah, the first episode, like a huge chunk of it is the the interview, and you get kind of this like mm-hmm. this presentation that the, it's always the presentation of the the yeah. happy relationship, and like even there's like oh yeah, you have to give me a quote. If you don't give me a quote, I'll just write something. And she's she, they're up. just telling you, I'm going to make fake news. Mm-hmm. She she goes. I'm just gonna make it up, and then because you can for uh, live. I call her live. Uh, she's just like she's like. I don't feel comfortable saying that. It's like, well, if you don't tell me, I will make it up, and it's gonna be worse than anything yeah. you could say. Uh, and she's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's like kind of like the maybe heavy-handed bit where like when they have to get up and leave, and then the journalist is like sneaking around, and opens up the bedroom door, and you see all this crap everywhere. Because it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. if no no one gives a shit what your bedroom looks like. If you, so, that's like the one thing you just like, yeah. That's my space, mm-hmm. but it's like, oh, but why is it in such discord? Is is it a sign of something else? Yeah. You you mentioned earlier where you're like at the start when they're being interviewed, their kind of body language. Yeah, I think the biggest thing it's in the first like minute of this movie the reviewer before they take the picture she says uh she's like look as if you're fond of each other, <laughs> and in that very little moment, Liv Allman looks up. And there's like her face kind of loses all of her like emotion. She looks up and then and then kind of snaps back into a smile. And I was like, God damn, that's acting. <laughs> acting. Acting. John Lovett style, baby. Yeah. So the first episode is what made up of three scenes, basically, because like you have the interview. Yep. And then you have the sure. the extended scene of the, the, the date night, yeah. which is like, again, framing and mm-hmm. acting and like body language of like oh the couples they're never on the same side as their couple and there's mm-hmm. like the weird tension and like you're watching them see their like uh, friends relationship play out really bluntly and awkwardly and like oh uh, this is like the worst time imaginable of mm-hmm. people getting more and more drunk and caustic and hate-filled um mm-hmm. and talking about oh yeah he tried to kill himself and i said well you should go do it and then he came back out and i was really sad and you're like oh fuck <laughs> just do it already no right honey you don't really mean it it's like, i don't know if i mean it but we can't do anything about it because our, our relationship interlocks us in this way where like i'm the brains and they're the design and like if we separate we're both fucked and we're now locked oh mm-hmm. and, and then and then we get a little spruce a pick-me-up where we find out oh Marianne, while they're in bed, in the kind of like it's the DVD cover of uh, "I'm Pregnant," and she mm-hmm. sees how he gauges his reaction. He was like, "Oh, cool. I got. Oh man, really?" And she's like, "Yeah. Well, what you're are you gonna do? You're not enthusiastic about it." Well, like, no. I mean, whatever. My, what I'll do. Whatever you want to do. Like, what do you think? She's like, "Well, I don't know. She have it. I don't know." He and then, oh, I'm gonna have an. I guess they have an abortion. And fuck the scene where he comes in and he's like holds her hand. Oh, hey. How are you doing? I, I better go. <laughs> like, oh. I his there's something I tried to screenshot too. Like one of the things I wanted to, he says he's like, don't worry. When we go, we'll eat a bunch of snacks. We'll watch TV and stuff. It'll be good. It'll be cool, yeah. man. Like you don't go worry. No. And I was just like, nice, nice. <laughs> he he knows what she wants to hear. Yeah, and then he's mm-hmm. out. He's out. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I got I got some shit I got to do. I'll see you later, babe. Yeah. That's that's a great start to this series. You're like, oh, this is just going to get better, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next episode, of course, got the great title, The Art of Sweeping Things Under the Rug. Yep. Where yep. you're like, oh, is that in reference to like what's just happened to the end of the other one? But it's not even. No, it's uh, about uh, their sexual relationship, Jared. Yes. And uh, she's, um, how does it go again? So in this, this is the where you get, you see her in her office, him in his. Yep. And you see what they're doing in their work life. And then you see them kind of, they come home and you see them being friendly and happy. And they make like one of the best looking like snack plates ever. And then they don't eat any of it and they go to bed and it drove me crazy. But this is that like European thing I talk about all the time where a lot of the dinners are just like bowls of foods that are like mixed in your hand. Uh, So they they make this nice dinner and they sit down. Oh, this is also the one where uh, she tries to call her the parents and is like, we don't want to come to brunch on the weekend. And they're like, no, you're coming. And she's like, okay. And she's like, yeah, okay, whatever, we will come. And I think that's setting up a thing where, like, for her, where she, even when she tries to, like, take a step, she's kind of, like, pushed back. So you get that, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you get the, uh, they're eating dinner, and they're talking about other people's problems. And then he's talking about how they're not, like, romantic anymore. And you get, like, this scene where, he says why he isn't. She says why she isn't. And then they both agree that it's like, oh, we're on They're, they're kind of like we're on the same page with this. And but they're like, but there's still kind of an issue. And then when they go to bed, she's like, you know, we can we can freak down if you want. Well, what she says is you can like have sex with me. Like, yeah. And you're like, oh, and he's just like, no. Yeah, and that's like uh, yeah, that's kind of like what yeah. the mom says later in other episodes, where she's like, "He got what he wanted," but I didn't really get much enjoyment out of it. Right. And then it, it's like it's like this side the side of things. Where it's like each person, but yeah. So she says that, and then he doesn't, and then um, shit. I think that's it, right? Well, that's well, there, well, there's a bit because there's the things where it's like they're they're leaving to go do things together like he's going into work and he doesn't want to like take her with her give and her a ride and and she's like going to make a phone call and it's like mm. oh what's going on here mm. he's got to make a phone call to, to the side piece and the way that this is edited again it's scenes you start your brain starting to fill in those gaps of yep. like ah uh, there's things going on that we're not allowed to see and uh mm-hmm. but you know that there's like just because of their like uh what's going on scene to scene it's all playing out. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the third episode entitled Paula. And this is mm-hmm. the, the, the nice big, like there's like, there's some pretty long takes in oh, this, yeah. uh, where, yeah, Marianne's at the, the cottage at their summer mm-hmm. home thing. And, uh, Johan ar- arrives early and, and he's Super very, joy. she's very excited and very chatting and he's, he's not, he's like, there's things weighing on his mind. And uh, it's just that that grim countdown to when he finally is able to say what he needs to say. And mm. it's like, I've uh, met someone else. I've done something stupid and fallen in love with someone else. And she's just kind of like going along with it. Like, it's, this is fine. And then like, she obviously is like, well, this, we can work through this. We can get, I can get around this. I can um, navigate this, this turn of events. And he's just mm. like, nope. He turns on, he turns on the coldness. He like, cause has to, he's emotionally shutting down. He's acting like she mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Um, 
and like we're going to get through this i need to pack my things tomorrow and she's like offering well do you need me to make you know get your shoes together and where's the suit that you're going to need because i'm leaving tomorrow we're we're going off to i'm going to go live with this 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 23 year old woman uh and it's going to start tomorrow and i'm done with you and like i this is it and uh yeah she's yeah she, she's like we well we're we'll we have time to figure it out and he's like i am leaving in five yeah. hours and he fucking like snaps mm-hmm. hard uh throwing the book across the room and just like because he's just like trying to like i guess end it uh so yeah this is actually where my my only criticism of it is like at first i think it's too communicable where it's just like they're too friendly about it where it's very like, uh, like he, he, like he presents it. He's like, I'm having an affair. And she's like, okay, well that's fine, but we'll figure this out. And he's like, nah, I'd rather not. And like, they're super like friendly about it. Just speaking for myself, I would be violent, Jared, not physically violent, but like I would be pretty aggressive about it. So like, uh, I was like, I don't know, but then well, actually but, but think, I, I do think it works because yeah. later you see both sides of that. So yes. that was keep in mind when, too, you keep, well, because watching. it's not, because it's not you though. Right. Because it's the, this, know, it's, yeah. it's the, it's the Marianne character and yeah. like, she would be like, this is just like another shit. This is like another mm. thing that, Oh, another Johan move. And, uh, yeah. it's like, well, you know, uh, I got to keep the, and then of course it builds and builds and gets worse. Like mm-hmm. there, there's like a lot of like, cause he doesn't, he doesn't even sound like he wants to do this. Like he, at the entire yeah. time, he's like, no, like, oh, we're already fighting. Like, and she's like mm-hmm. really temperate. Like this, this Paula is like, she's terrible. And, uh, but I'm, I'm committed to this. I'm going to be gone for six to eight months and there's no other mm-hmm. choice. It's all over with. And there's the fighting to it. Uh, the, 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 the kind of like that weird footage of like the car driving in to the cabin and then when it leaves oh, at the yeah. end and the sounds of it yeah. and like the staring off into space. Yeah. It's like, Oh mm-hmm. no, no, you're, you're right. And uh, he even, he, he shits on Paula. Jesus. He shits on Paula too. He's just like, he's like, you wouldn't even think that she's attractive. He's like, I, I can't even explain it. He's like, I, I don't Can know. I see whatever. a photo we, of her. And... Yeah. Yeah. And like that, that part is like, want to look a picture. Like that was the, one of the parts where I was just like, Whoa, I was like, they are so like, they are way better about this than I would be, and you're right. It's like I, I realize they're separate people, but uh, th- th- those are the, those are those characters' reactions. Yes, yeah. yeah. and it, it and it does like come out eventually too. Like you do get a little bit more later. So uh, I, I was cool with it. Individual part, I was just like, man, I was like, I'd be way more, be way pun- more you'd into be, this. You'd be punching walls, tearing <laughs> yeah, your shirt. Ah. That's your that's your inner ham. Inner ham? Well, I mean, I'm a, you wanna, a physical guy. You, you want to talk about the Veil of Tears, episode four? Uh, yeah, I'd love to talk about the Veil of Tears, episode four, where we get quote the tax man, <laughs> uh, which I thought was super funny for some reason. He's like, "Yeah, I might leave." You know, the tax man is on my back, and I was like, <laughs> "Mel Gibson, are you are you watching this?" You know what I, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know if anyone else will, but you know about the tax man. All about right? it. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Continue, bud. Tell me about the Veil of Tears episode. Oh, you want me to tell you? Yeah, about Veil? sure. Why not? I'll, I'll, oh, I'll hand um, it off to you. All right. What do we got here? Uh, I put pouring it out to a sleeping dud. Oh, that's where she. Um... <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they're like they get back together. 
Okay, I, I remember yeah. now. Well, not, yeah. they're not back together, but they're like they're having like a a catch up. They're they have a dinner a, uh, a rendezvous. They, yeah, because they're both like interested in. I think it, what they said was a year has passed. So they're having like a little bit of a rendezvous to see where each other are at. Uh, Johan is with Paula and uh, Liv Allman. I call her Liv, you know. She is with uh, a new man, uh, which she kind of lets slip later. But she makes uh, dinner. David. David, yeah. And then later it's Henrik. So right now she's with David. And uh, they make dinner. They're catching up a little bit. She wants to like talk about life and like things like this. He just kind of talks about himself and because well, he wants he wants to Paul. he wants to get down. He wants to get down, and then this is where he starts to talk about like uh, he he says something. He's just like, I hate her. He's like, she sucks. She's the worst. He's like, I don't know if because I think here he's he's just like, I want to move back home, right? Or is that in the next episode? Uh, no, I think it's that's one. It, it goes back and forth. Yeah. Well, this it's, is where he starts to talk about how he doesn't like Paula yet. But, uh, but, he, but, he, but he talked about her. He talked about that in the previous one from the too. start. Yeah. 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 So he, I think, what he he wants his cake and to eat it too, Jarrett, as the expression goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have their dinner. He's trying to freak, and she's like, you know what? I just. She's like, I don't really feel like that. And she's like, can I share with you my journal? And he's like, absolutely. And you get this beautiful little like. <sighs> montage of actress Liv Allman and like pictures of her uh, from her younger days and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, this is such a nice thing that Bergman clearly wanted to do. And like, it's part of the story. It's, too, it's his, like, it's his uh, wife. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, you know what I mean? He, it's like, it's just his like nice thing. He's just like, he's like, I want to show you. And, 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 and the writing is like, it's like that. Uh, when we've talked about like uh, with Oz Perkins in like some of his, where like, ah, the, the, where it's yeah. like uh, the writing and some of that mm-hmm. stuff, like the poetic writing sometimes is like really poor in movies. And this is like, oh, this is actually like like the good prose. Like it actually yep. makes sense. And you actually follow mm-hmm. along. You're not just zoning out. And you're like, yep. man, it's like, is he like, is she talking about herself? Like, did she write this? Did Bergman write mm-hmm. this about for her character mm-hmm. and for her mm-hmm. using this like montage of footage of her? And is this like autobiographical? Is this like about Liv or is this about the Marianne character? yeah no that that's a really good point uh yeah i thought like i thought that scene was awesome um and whether it's about her about the character did bergman do it i don't know but it's it's a wicked scene so like i think that's all awesome and then you get the the sad like ex what you expect you cut to johan he's just asleep and it's like hmm it's kind of what you think but then, like, she gives him one more chance. They try to try to go for it. She's like, "Just stay the there's, night, whatever." There, there's like, well, while he's asleep, uh, she makes the phone David call. Calls. Or yeah, she yeah. calls David. Yeah, she calls David, and she's like, and "He's like, why are you talking like that? Why are you whispering? Like, why are you so low?" And she's like, "Well, mm-hmm. okay, he's still here. Yeah, I'll get rid of him. Uh, call back in an hour. Cause otherwise, she was going to let him stay." And then she's like, "Hey, buddy, time to go." But then that passion starts coming back. It starts leaking into mm-hmm. things. And then while they're about to bed down, uh, the phone rings. He's like, "Oh shit, he's not giving up." And it's like he rang like five times, and then mm-hmm. she gets up and just lets into him. Says, <laughs> she's like, I can't talk right now, and it's like, why? Because Yohan is here, and we're in bed. Okay, yeah. you is want that? What you want? That's here? the truth. Yeah, she's like, that's what's happening, yeah. Bucko. Don't call here ever again. Yeah, and she's like, I'm done with you, David Schwimmer. Mm-hmm. No more. I don't want any more of this shit. No. Uh, so you get that, and then I think that's about it. Well, then you get the thing where because there's like the will they, won't they, and then Johan yeah. does leave. And like, yep. and it's like real. And he, oh, and then she's also got the letter from Paula. 
right? And she he, is, where she, where I, she's I like, like his she, reaction, yeah. where he's just like, what is she into now? Oh, this is what this is. This is vintage Paula. <laughs> that bitch, vintage Paula. And then, he's like, yeah. Yeah, and there's cool. like they, they keep playing with that and the pulling part. Like, well, they won't. Then he comes back in and they rush because he's about to leave angrily. And then he he doesn't close the door and then he comes back in and it feels like the most natural thing. And then they're, they're let's just do this. Let's just let's get back together. But it's like, nope, they're not going to. No matter what, he wakes up in the middle of the night. Um, yeah, and uh, this is the one too where he starts like he starts talking about lying to Paula where he's like, I'll tell her I went to the movies or stuff like that. And you're just like, ah, this is just Johan's game. Hey, it's like just the behavior and he doesn't know what he wants. He had the wife and then he was lying to her for someone else. And then he's with someone else. And And now he's lying to her about his old wife. Layers upon layers. Vintage Johan. Andrea's grandpa's name is Johan. So uh, I thought about that a lot when I was watching this. He's a great man. He's been married for 60 years. There you go. Uh, fifth episode, the illiterates, which is, uh, another extended moment of time where, mm-hmm. uh, our, our characters are in Johan's office. He has a cold and, uh, yep. it's, it's, it seems like it's been another like time jump. It's been like a, a year or so. Marianne is ready to start a new life and move on her hair. She's got a new hair. She's fucking jazzed about this she's super happy uh mm-hmm. things are going to get done but they're like she's like you know what fuck let's let's have let's have a quickie let me just like fuck you Cheers. right here on the floor oh, and uh, so what if the night watchman of the university comes in won't he have a surprise <laughs> so they uh-huh. they bang and uh i mean they begin having this conversation the back and forth begins all over again and like she and she sees right through johan like his dragging of his feet and being like you don't want this divorce like mm-hmm. this is like that's why you don't want this. And he's like, no, I don't want it. So what if I don't want it? And she's like, Jesus Christ, we're back to this ever, like over again. But yeah. the whole time, it's like I think he makes in the comment uh, the illiterates is like they're like emotional illiterates or love yep. illiterates. Yeah, emotional. Em- is, yeah. Uh, yep. I tried just... to screenshot that for you mm-hmm. and uh, your spectrum stuff, but uh, it mm-hmm. didn't. It didn't turn out. You know. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like the fact that like yeah, hey, remember these two have like children and like even like mm-hmm. I, I, at this point they are referring to like the daughters are even like distancing from Marianne. Maybe that's in the next mm-hmm. part. Uh, but yeah, they're definitely like they have nothing to do with their father. He's just like yeah. not there, um, and he's just, like a non-presence. But this is also the episode that takes a. Uh, a, her- a harrowing turn because, <laughs> but, but I think it even is like a surprise to Marianne who's like goading him knowing that like, you can't do anything, but you think back to all the things that Johan's been saying about how he wants to hurt her and do harm to her for like, and he keeps saying it, but he's like not going to do anything about it. And then finally he like gets up and he locks her in this room and she's like, mm-hmm. what are you smiling about? He's like, well, you look scared. It's like, no, I'm not. I always tell, I always tell my clients, you know, her being a lawyer who works with divorce as well. Mm-hmm. saying it's like, never fight, never be alone with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because things like this happen. And she's like, I don't know. It's pretty fucked up. And, uh, yeah. and then, yeah, he like, then it gets physical and weird. And, uh, mm-hmm. th- then he like kicks the crap out of her a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, immediately you get the, like, oh my God, I feel so horrible about this. And cause oh, she, my bad. And, and, and she says, you know, the, the fucking horrible thing. It's like, I, I brought this on myself. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, that's, that's what people say. And it's like, what people say. I don't know. It, it's a, it's a disturbing scene. 
And mm-hmm. I, I'm curious how, for some people, how it plays for them now. Uh, because like yeah. there, there, there's, there'd be people who are like, absolutely, under no circumstance, is this ever acceptable? Mm-hmm. And I would agree with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But in, in the context of the film, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's this weird, complicated, fucked up thing. Because people are mm-hmm. weird, complicated, fucked up things. And this is also 1974. We're just like starting to come into an era where, yeah, don't do that. Maybe maybe don't, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. I mean, if you ask the guy who uh, left a review on our naked lunch episode, he would probably be fully on board with this, right? Like, you yeah. can't hold this against Johan. Yeah. You, you you know, Jer. I mean, uh, it, it, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I I mean that nut bar aside, uh, I I'm with you completely. Like, I actually think this episode, as difficult as it gets to, where when that happens, like where you're kind of like, mm, like this isn't what we know about people anymore. It's like, Johan, like you sh- yeah. Johan's definitely uh, he's now on the, in the bad dude call. <laughs> like, he's in the he's definitely in the bad dude call. But, but he but was I, he was always the shit heel, like all yeah. along. Like he was always yeah. like because like I, I think it's like Mary Ann is presented as the hero, which I, I feel like could be a criticism that mm-hmm. like, but but I'm like it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I've seen people say like this movie isn't like feminist enough, even though Big Roman's like, well, actually, <laughs> my intent was to do exactly that. But sometimes you're like, well, it shows that marriage is like a, it shouldn't even be a thing. People shouldn't get married at all. And uh, yeah. like, so I don't know. You can't please everybody. But yeah, this is definitely like, this is a definitely a, a darker turn for um, our uh, Johan, who shifts from being a, he shifts from being the, like kind of a, you know, this on equal footing like protagonist to like, oh yeah, he's uh he's a dickhead. But and then and, you could also say though, because like by the next part, there's no yeah. real comeuppance to this. And no. like there's there's no like but like I don't know if that's like and there's there's none. Like it's just kinda like, oh, you know, she's even like because like I guess like the thing is that this is the impetus that they actually after it happens, they very quietly, without a word, sign the divorce papers. Whereas up yep. to that point, it was never going to happen. But they realized if we don't sign these papers, this is what's going to happen. And it's going to be really horrible and tragic mm-hmm. and violent and disgusting. Like their whatever love they had is now like they can't remain married because this is what it's become. Yep. And it's like the only it's the only option because it was just escalating for years, this hostility. Mm-hmm. Again, not justifying it, I don't think. But like just in that no. way where it's like this is uh... – I mean, I guess his goodness is this, he recognized the horror, I guess, but I don't know. Is that good enough? I don't, it probably wouldn't be for some. Mm-hmm. No. And I actually, so like, it's, I think like kind of what you said, I think it actually, this episode does a really good job at building him up as an asshole more than anything else, because yeah. like, uh, the way she go go to him to like actually get to it. Uh, I think it's really good where he's like, wow, the department's out to get me. Uh, he's like, and she like, she's like, you and your conspiracy theories. And then you have the big talk about, he's just like, he's like, so I had some kids. He's like, I never fucking wanted them. He's like, and I'll have no part of raising them. He's like, I don't give a shit about those kids. And then you're just like, geez, man. You're like, Johan's kind of a, kind of an aggressive guy. And then it just builds and builds to the point where, like you can see it develop throughout the episode. You're like, each new thing, you're like, man, Johan's nuts. No. And then it's like, whoa, Johan's real nuts. And then it happens. And you're like, oh, man. He's getting fueled, liquored up, boozed yeah, up. You're, you're, you're like, Johan's on the liquor. <laughs> he seems like a bad guy. And then, uh, yeah, he, he builds to it. And you're just like, oh, shit. So, like, I, I know what you mean where it's like he doesn't really get um, 
there's no like there's nothing that comes back onto him except for I guess the only thing is that she actually says what she feels right. and she, like kind of digs to him so it's like she does get that one in she gets beat up for it which is bad but uh, she did <laughs> she she does get the the verbal dig where she's just like listen you're a fucking loser who uh is like talking about his department is out to get you she's like maybe just be better and it's like you know what just just do it uh so i don't know i i do agree with you like they that's she is definitely the hero of the story but i never felt like it was uh it was too much i was just like i get it i was like she just seems like a nice lady and i was like I, i'm rooting for her that that was how i kind of saw it the whole time but Hmm. Yeah, this is a. Uh... I just noticed that there is a credit for uh, an actress who plays uh, their daughter or one of the daughters, Eva. But I'm like, if it's, if there is, it's for like a second. Like, maybe it's by voice. Maybe because you hear a lot of voice. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, or blinking and you miss it kind of thing. Or, or zonk, look look down for a moment. <laughs> He could, if if she was in this thing, my guess is that it was either a kid running by screen, or like a kid talking off panel. Right. So I I don't know. I never saw any kids. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, we get to the the last episode in the middle of the night in a dark house somewhere in the world. That's pretty uh, imposing. And uh, what, what what happens in this one, RJ? They go for a trip in the country. This is the one well, where she well, they're, 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 they're in their separate relationships, and yes. and then there's this whole thing that like you know they're seeing someone on the side, and uh, it yep. builds up to like a, a, a again another rendezvous in a park, and they abscond mm-hmm. in a car, giggling like kids, and they mm-hmm. get along great. They they get along great now because they are um, not together anymore, but they're each other's mistresses, which is an interesting take i mean that's that toxic that's that sid and nancy mentality you know Mm. it's like they're bad for each other but that's what makes it so good or they're yeah they're good if they know that they're in different in different places yeah different contexts so yeah this is the one where he has that aggressive guy he's like you he's like you nailing that broad I would. Uh, and he's like, all right. And then uh, his coworker comes in who he did have an affair yeah. with. And she's like, don't you love me? And he's like, man, not really. <laughs> yeah, he's doing the, the Johan shutdown. Yeah. He's just like, I don't really give a shit. Uh, and then she does talk with her mom about uh, her marriage, about her mother's marriage and about things in general, which is a good scene. Uh, and then, yeah, they do take off together. They go to their country house, but there's too many, too many hard memories there, Jarrett. So they yeah. call a friend and then they go to his country. House. A, a friend named Henrik with a, a paper clown thing clamp that, that yeah. we see later on. And it, we'll get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you have that, uh, they have a little dinner. They have a little marital extramarital romance i believe is what the proper mm-hmm. terminology is uh and then things kind of just wrap up i think right they're they're like well yeah. well there's like, there, this there's, is where we are marianne now. has her nightmare oh yeah yeah she has she has her nightmare and then uh, he comforts her and it's like the first time i think in the whole series that he is like doing a, a comforting thing for his wife yeah. kind of other than just like hanging out that he's mellowed yeah, yeah, and he, he's showing growth and development, I believe, is what the, the big wigs call that. Right. Uh, so you have that, and then I can't remember how how it actually it, just it, kind of It just kind of fades to black. Yeah. Yeah, and then you get another beautiful scene of Flurigan. Flurigan. Flurigan or whatever. Yeah. 
I was going to say it ends. It's truly scenes of a marriage. Up from even. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean this. I don't know. It's, it speaks to the power of uh, this completely stripped down, minimal cast, all mm-hmm. relying totally on acting and uh, knowing how to place a camera and just mm-hmm. letting things play out. So yeah, I I think this is one of the better movies we've probably watched in a very long time. I I even like I, agree. I put it above uh, you know. Tokyo Story and Birdo D mm-hmm. in the last in this uh last whatever twenty nine movies we've watched. But mm-hmm. uh yeah, hey RJ, what do you what do you think of <laughs> scenes from a marriage? <laughs> well, as a newly married man, Jarrett, uh I think this whole thing's horseshit. Yeah. It's not accurate, it's not relatable at all. There's um That's not my marriage. It's not my, not my president. That's what people say all the time, right? I think so. Uh, no, yeah, this thing, this thing's great, man. Like, I think there's so many. Uh, even it's like, even if you're like, yeah, I, I don't do this or that or this, whatever. There are a lot of small things that are, I think, are very relatable about just kind of like re- relationships or even even just domestic partnership, Jared. There's like these little things. It's like, yeah, there's certain interactions that you have with each other that kind of do play out like that, like. There's scenes where it's like, say, there's like minor annoyances from him to her or her to him. And then you're just you kind of see it and it's like real subtle. And then they like move past it. And you're like, yeah, that is a that's a thing people do with each other. I do that with other people, not just my wife, but, you know, people that I'm close to. Uh, So I think there's a lot of like super relatable stuff in that sense. Um, But, yeah, like kind of what you said, the, the stripped down the stripped down presentation, just this dialogue thing. Like, like I, I honestly, I, I legitimately had two pages of things to screenshot for this. And I, I screenshotted every one Jared, but they all came out black. So what are you going to do about that? But, uh, they hate freedom. They free speech, bruh. Um, there is a ton of great dialogue in this thing. Uh, I also love the Bergman, touch and it's it's not unlike the lubich touch Jarrett, but uh that little bergman touch where um one of the things i really like that he does is uh when he shows faces and one of them is looking into the camera but between that person's face and the camera is another person's face oh, coming in parallel it's, it's, it's or like, like you've already seen the the image i'm using for uh our podcast. Uh, image. I probably would have, if I could have got the screenshot of it, it would have been my Wednesday dudes post on Instagram. But because mm-hmm. I, I just had to find a picture on the internet because I couldn't get a good yeah. quality one. But I, I love that. Uh, he does it in uh, Autumn Sonata. He does it yeah. like he does it all the time. Oh yeah, that's his, I, that's your shtick. That's just, that's just his shtick. Uh, but I think it's it's so well done. It it looks great. Like the two two like faces perpendicular to each other. You're like oh. Oh, terrific. Terrific. Uh, as far as like a story does, I think it's like pretty master expertly crafted together where it's like you see where they are at this stage and you get the foreshadowing. You get the little pieces layered and layered. You see where it's going to go and then it does. And then it's kind of all built upon. It's all scaffolded together. Jared. That's a fancy word. <laughs> scaffolded together Mm -hmm. um and you it's kind of like it's just all there for you uh 
but yeah, it's like I said, it's, I think it's super relatable. Uh, even if you're just like, you don't have to be married to this. It's like, have you ever lived with another person? doesn't have yeah. to be like a relation, like a, a romantic relationship. It's like, could have been a roommate or it could have been a family member or something. And it's just like, there are these things that kind of happen and there are these tensions that come from that. So I think that stuff is just, uh, no, I, I really liked it, dude. Like I, I even said to Andrea before we started, cause I, I was trying to convince her. I was like, it sounds really good. I was like, but it is like a six-hour Swedish film, and she was like, "No thanks." And I, was like, I don't. I was like, I don't blame like because she is a good sport. She watches enough, but I was like, I don't blame you for not wanting to watch it. But uh, when I was watching it, I and I think I did it right. I did like two episodes one day, yep. three episodes the next day, and then one episode the day after, and uh, or something like that. I, I split it up like half and half, uh, and I was just like, yeah, I was like, I. I actually really liked it. And I do think the episodic nature of it where you have the one, like one episode is like say episode five, the interrogation scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, it's one self-contained thing. And it's like, Ooh man, it, it comes in and it, and it goes out and it's just, mm, it's right on, right on baby. Uh, so like scenes from a marriage, I don't know, dude, is my marriage in trouble? Probably. But uh, as of right now, we're enjoying Swedish films, and uh, we're we're feeling great. How about those Swedish so, berries, though? You enjoying those? I do like Swedish berries. Are you? A, do you like Swedish berries or Swedish fish more? Berries. Berries are they the same thing? But like, so you know, the structure of a thing can change the way that you taste and enjoy it, right? This abs- yeah, texture. Texture is yeah. very important. It's just like saying difference between curly fries, straight fries, shoelace fries chunky fries it's like they're they're very different things even though it's all just a cut up potato that's fried you know what about hash browns how do you like your hash browns the way oh, i like is... my bergman films sad <laughs> sad hash browns hey, not the magic flute of hash browns mm-hmm. yeah what a what a stark difference where from some of the best films we've watched to one of the worst <laughs> top thir- or bottom 30 at yeah. least the ma- magic flu yeah uh but yeah no i think uh scenes from a marriage is great like um scenes from a marriage and autumn sonata i both think are just like uh, real good like little little character piece or not even care like just real life people and it's just a little slice of that jared a little yeah. slice so good <sighs> stuff one about uh oh actually before we do that uh we should talk about sarah band Oh yeah, <laughs> I watched Sarah Band today. Yeah, you watched I Sarah om- Band today. I almost forgot. I-, I watched it late last night, and uh, how and unnecessary. I was surprised by the narration aspect of it. I was surprised by like okay, this is real, real dorky, but I was annoyed yeah. so much by like the lack of continuity. <laughs> Like, oh, the, like yeah. the, it's just like a complete mess because suddenly yeah, y- Johan's like 86 years old and uh, Marianne's 63. But it's like, no, mm-hmm. like he's 42 and she's 35, like in those mm-hmm. movies. And now suddenly they've drifted, like drifted apart in time as well. And his adult son is this like this schlubby dude who like sleeps in the same bed as his daughter named Henrik who like Keeps lives, who lives in this 
cottage that's like wait a minute isn't this the cottage like that was his son that he was yeah. calling to like what like it's all, suddenly it becomes a mess. You're like i guess none of this really matters but like mm-hmm. like the like i don't know scenes from a marriage is like such a like this like iconic film and now you're making it like a a sequel and you're like uh, i didn't even bother looking at the previous thing i want to go with the feeling <laughs> i want to go with these feelings i want to explore and i'm just like oh it's just like when old men make their last film and they're just not that good but everybody loves them a lot because this, this, because this is fairly well regarded. I saw that, but uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm right along with you. I was kind of like, it's. I don't even think it's a nerdy thing, the continuity thing. It's like it is a sequel to those movies, and it's just like you just threw out like half of the stuff almost. Well, just like or you just mixed it. Or, up. or you know, it's just distracting because because yeah. we both just came off watching it, and it's mm-hmm. all fresh in our mind, and now watching, it's like, what, like. It's just frustrating. And then they're like, who yep. are these people? And like, one of the rules of scenes from a marriage, I guess, is like, it's always just the two characters. And now we're like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, here's some new characters that you don't care about. But here's some mm-hmm. scenes, some weird, creepy scenes of like uh, dad <laughs> trying to strangle his daughter. And it's like, what? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It's, the music's really weird in that scene, too. It's like, dun, dun, dun. And you're just like, was that necessary? But yeah, like the, I think like the interactions and the dialogue, it's like, this is all good stuff. It's, but it's like, it shouldn't be, maybe we need the Bergman cut of Sarah band or something like that. Uh, you know, like what he really wanted, like maybe dark side would show up or something, but it's just, it is, it's like a little, out out there a little bit. And I also, I, I gotta tell you, I was annoyed by the fact that, uh, they made Johan a millionaire. I was just oh. like, I was like, what? All, all, all his problems were solved. He had an aunt yep. that was a famous opera singer who died and left him all his, all the money. And you're like, ah, is this necessary? Like, it doesn't change anything. Yep. Which just creates that, uh, that like, conflict later with his son asking, he's like, you want money? And then, like, you have just that, like, I don't know, the weird, like, aggressive conversation that they have with each other. But, like, you, the, he didn't have to be a millionaire for it. It was just – I felt like they were rewarding Johan. But I was like, I don't think this guy needs to be – should be rewarded. Yeah. So, uh, Saraband, yeah, I saw it was highly regarded too. But I, I'm saying with you, I was kind of like, Meh. maybe if I waited, like, 30 years for it or something, I would have right. – or like how far apart would this have been? Like 15, 20 years? 2003? Ah, 30 Ooh. years. 30 years? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about Sarah Ben? No, I was like, whole... whatever. I, I barely could. I was barely paying attention. I don't know if my attention was just like not on it, but like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it should have sucked me in more. And I, I really was feeling, I'll be like, yeah, this is some lesser stuff. And it, I hated like, I don't know if you were noticing like the, the picture for the frame rate was really weird because this was like, mm-hmm. this is a 2003 made for TV movie. And it's like, this looks kind of cheap in a way that like scenes from a marriage is like low budget, but it works so well because it's Mm -hmm. so, it feels very like play like, and uh, it doesn't matter, but this is like, it's going for more of a cinematic look and it like in the live Almond looking at the camera and talking to us stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't like, I didn't, I didn't like it that much. Yeah, I that that's what I meant earlier. Like her, her narrate the narration by her, where it's like we're gonna we're gonna look at a minute, and it's like, well, this is a long minute, bud. Thirty seconds. seconds. Whoa, I, yeah, I was kind of like, it's like, what are we going for here? What is this like self-aware? Like, I was like, this isn't this isn't needed. We go back to that Noah Baumbach movie that you made before. Let's let's watch that. Exactly. 
you know. Go watch you know? Uh, Squid and the Whale. There's that's sure. that's got some divorce. Sure, they all do, and, right? And Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor himself. Lex Luthor. Yeah. Do you say Luther or Luthor? I think I, I don't know what I. What did I? What do you think I said? I said Luther. Luther. Luthor. I say Luther also, but like you know, in the animated shows, they're always like Luthor, and I was like Luthor. So sounds more uh, dramatic, I guess. Lex Luthor. Hey RJ, who what? hates scenes from a marriage? Bad dudes. Bad dudes. It's like Steven. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. star for the TV version. Whew. A hard watch. I really didn't like it. So much emotional yo-yoing to a very unrealistic degree. Some of the dialogue was so realistic, but there was just too much of that that it became a major burden bummer. The characters, mostly Johan, are really not likable, and I think that in the 70s they maybe were supposed to be. <laughs> uh, I mean, movies have unlikable characters, right? Yeah. I want to hurt myself imagining watching a three-hour movie version of this. Boy, you just watched a five-hour version of this. I also didn't really like the simple filming style. I like that it was simple, Mm -hmm. but seemed kind of poorly executed. The camera movements were shaky, and several times I thought, really? You didn't do another take to nail that zoom a little better? I don't know. I I, I like those zooms. They're very powerful zooms. I I mean, Bergman, I think his high school nickname was Powerful Zoom. But not for his filmmaking, for something else, you know? There's also so much film grain that it becomes distracting. Oh, I'm just confused as to some of the choices made on this. Well, it's because it's 16 millimeter blown up to 35. Oh, it's a 30 year, it's like a 40 year old movie. Well, no, it's, and that's like, that like when it's blown up like that, yeah, it's going to have yeah. that. And I love it. I love the, I love the grain. Still, yeah. it's obvious this was a major influence on other stuff before trilogy, which is, yeah, I was thinking about the Richard Linklater films. Uh, mm-hmm. before, like it absolutely is. So I guess other people enjoyed it more than me. Yeah, I guess so, Stephen. I uh, I guess other people liked it. Let me tell you, Jarrett, about our bud Stephen here. All right, Steve. His bio is that he wants to blow his way through as many movies as possible. So I question: Is Stephen is even watching any of these films? He only has eight five star films, and they include Andre Rublev. Or Debt, Star Wars Empire, 2001 Brief Encounter, Lawrence of, of Arabia, something called Galaxy Lords from two years ago. That can't be good. Here's some half-star films, though, Jared. Half-star, Life of Brian, Snatch, The Dark Knight Rises, The Tin Drum, Armageddon, Mulholland Drive, and Mulholland Star- Drive. Mulholland Drive and Star Trek V. The final frontier. Oh, Steven. Steven. We all know a Steven. And you're the worst one, bud. Uh, two oh, stars. Sorry, they just gave Marriage of Maria Braun two stars also. Oh, so that's boy. a bad take. Two stars. Anyways. Jasmine Bonkney. <laughs> okay. I Bonky? couldn't. Bon- Bonkey? I couldn't get behind this acclaimed movie. Sorry that I don't like how both characters suffer from their own god complexes and make mm-hmm. this an intolerable watch. Uh, frowny face, crooked face, in parentheses, something. Yeah. Is it frowny or is it crooked? It's like crooked. Mm, uh, I side, see. Side face. Mm. You know what I think is crooked is uh, Jasmine's five star films, including Call Me By Your Name. Check. Check. Mate, call me by your name. Silver Linings Play uh, Playbook, The Four Hundred Blows, Roma, 
portrait of a lady on fire. That's right, Frank Santoro. Portrait <laughs> of a lady on fire. The only half star they filmed they have is Children of the Corn. Huh. I so, I mean, that's, that. that's fine. I'm... Oh, bad takes. One stars to Perks of Being a Wallflower and The Disaster Artist. Disaster Artist mm. isn't a one-star film. Come on. And one more for you, RJ. X666X666X666 times four. Ooh, fuck. Two stars. Yeah, man. I don't know. I probably should have paid way more attention to anything other than the damn subtitles. I tr- try to at times, but it's not always easy on a first watch, especially with the insane amount of fucking talking. I always feel like I can't miss a word, even when I know the language. But, uh, yeah, IDK about this. I think that it's probably done as well as it could be by Ingmar in the hands of a Hollywood producer and, like, a garbage variety director. It'd be even more awful. I feel like Cirque could have made maybe made this what it really could have been but then again mm-hmm. there's no reason Bergman couldn't do this is prob the best it can be I just can't stand watching people whine I'm sure if I paid more attention to anything but the subtitles I'd like it more I do like the sterile feeling like everything's prob so well thought out just eh man I can't watch people talk about wine for so damn long would have been higher if someone mm-hmm. was murdered at the end with that Hitchcockian scene title <laughs> Come on. We don't need that. What a strange person, Jared. Yeah. Their bio in all capitals. Maybe they've been hacked. Is, I mean, it's it's possible. They only watch these old movies, though, um, from like 40s and 50s. Yeah. Uh, so their bio, all caps. These are every man reviews of movies that ain't no every man of today ever watching. Whatever that means. But uh, strange stuff like five-star films or things like Spartacus, Don't Look Now, The Great Escape. What else we got in here? Come and See, Passion of Joan of Arc, Ben-Hur, Mon Uncle, King of Kings. It's like those are five-star films, but you weren't on board with the scene from a marriage. And like their low ratings are just, I mean, two stars to The Hand. You know The Hand, right, Jerry? I know The Hand. Scenes from a Marriage, Ryan's Daughter, The White Cliffs of Dover, The Young young Bess. Like, uh, what is this shit? The Hand is cool. And it's pretty neat. So that's the big takeaway from this episode, right? Is watch Oliver Stone's The Hand. <laughs> yeah. Sure. With that's Michael, a good... Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I'm a cartoon artist. The sauce of a tangerine. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a long one. It's been a long Whew. episode. Um, so anyway, yeah. Scenes from a Marriage. That This gets the seal of excellence. The, mm-hmm. the crusty seal, broken seal of creepdom. It's Smoth- good stuff. Smothered all over the end and Oof. suckled on by your... I don't know what you're talking hot, about. Hot, movie wet is mouth. Good. Drink it back. Feel the pain and the... <sighs> The discomfort. Mm. Just not not totally on board with whatever you're doing. Mm. Oh. Um, any final thoughts? I don't like any of what you did, but uh, the movie's pretty good. After the break. Mm-hmm. Um, scenes from a podcast? What are those like? I don't know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you later. 
planning on throwing on scenes from a marriage theatrical cut next i mean it's been on a loop for the last two weeks I mean, dude i've got nothing toss else on another three hour rewatch right behind it um i mean the biggest thing is that the marriage is the friends we made along the way you can email us at criterion at gmail.com mm-hmm. and tell us if that's true Mm-hmm. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We've got a Patreon. Mm-hmm. We've got a YouTube. Mm-hmm. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, some other shit. Uh, OnlyFans. Next week, mm. it's episode 200, RJ. What, what does that mean? An occasion. And how do we do these things up? Watching a fucking laser disc movie. Oh, baby, what does that mean? And what is next up in the order? Take a look here. Oh, looks like we're going to be watching a little Marx Brothers action because we always love old grandpa comedies. Karl Marx? Sam Woods, Night at the Opera, Hmm. 1935. I don't know what that is, Jer. Well, we're all going to find out together. 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 Um, what? You're going to have to paint on your uh, big, thick, fake mustache, put on some glasses, talk funny. I already have a big, fake mustache, dude. Oh. and, and Have you not and, been and, paying and, and, attention? And a big, fake beard. I mean, it's not real. No one's ever said that. Who does it belong to? God. Good night. Uh, yeah. And, um... Yeah.